Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Real Deal Talk, and today we have a firecracker woman boss lady in the marketplace, Janelle Lene, in the house, ladies and gentlemen. This is, um, and you know what, and you guys know how I do it. I love talking about how I met my guests, uh, and and Jan- uh, Janelle and I met kind of on the kind of on the fly, right? Yep. So we met through, of course, Awakened Church, and through the Pathfinder program more specifically, right? And I had seen you because uh, I'm kind of new to the game a little bit there, and you had already been one of the leaders in Pathfinder, and I remember seeing you, and I remember seeing your husband, uh, Frankie. Right. And I was was always like, well, I wonder I can't wait to I know I want to connect with them because they're both in they're both uh, physical specimens because so, <laughs> because I could and her husband looks fantastic, looks like a, a million bucks. Um, and I thought I, I know that I'm going to connect with them eventually. I, like I knew that. Yeah. All right. I said, so I know that eventually our pads are going to cross and we'll see what happens. So I didn't push anything. And then finally we, something happened where we were at the, the graduation party. We met and then, and then I think you told me, and, and here's what guys, uh, ladies, especially, especially the ladies here. She's the owner of a business called Next Level Confident where she helps. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to have you actually take it. For, I don't want to murder this. Um, she's also <laughs> best-selling author. We got our book right on the, on the table here. Flex your confidence muscle. I love this. So when I heard what she did, which was basically helping uh, women uh, gain confidence in the marketplace, I said, this is because I can't tell you, Janelle, how many, and I'll talk about the women specifically here that come up to me because I'll be at the gym or wherever that people know. And they're like, oh, go, go watch JD's podcast. Like, oh, I'm, I'm like, what's the problem? She goes, well, I'm having a, a, a problem with confidence. I've lost my confidence. I just went through this bad relationship. Um, I kind of got beaten down a little, not, not physically, but me yeah, yeah, yeah. Men- mentally, like I, I just feel like I'm not. And then all of a sudden you come into my life with this business. I'm like, this is perfect. So go ahead, give them a quick synopsis on exactly what you do. Yeah. So, um, well, thank you for having me on the show. So excited to be here. Yay. So pumped. And yes. we actually went through the same Pathfinder season together. We did. Yeah. Eight. But yeah, season eight. But wow. we were just at different campuses. Yeah. So we like would see each other. Like I saw you here and there because yep. you know you're hard to miss. Yeah, right. So yeah, well. saw you here and there at sure. the at the all in nights and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of like I think I got to awaken at the same time as you. So I'm like honestly just as new as you. So it's cool because it, like I probably thought you were an OG. You thought I was an OG. And here we are. We're both like yes. newer. So it's cool. Um, but yeah to tell you about my business, Next Level Confident, I primarily go into companies and I teach women how to build confidence in the workplace. And so if you're a male listening right now and you're like, okay, I'm going to turn this off. I'm checking out. I just want to say stick around because just because you are a dude doesn't mean that you have all the confidence in the world. And just because you're a woman doesn't mean you don't have confidence necessarily, right? We can't like put people into gender roles like that. Um, and, And so like a lot of times what I tell the men, like a lot of men have read my book and they're like, oh my gosh, this book changed my life. This is amazing. And it helps me build my confidence, change my mindset, look at my limiting beliefs, like start to see what thought patterns are holding me back because we all have limiting beliefs. We all have thought patterns holding us back. Um, And at the same time, because I share my story so vulnerably, and of course it's from a woman's perspective, um, I feel like it also helps men understand better their, their sister, their mom, wife, girlfriend, whatever, you know, different women in their life. And I think that's just so important because you know, to be honest, like there's so many books written by men out there and no one would think twice, like if a, if a woman read a man, a man's book, but I've met actually like a lot of 
guys who like think they're above reading a book mm. written by a woman for whatever reason. And I think that's like um, some sort of like subconscious thing going on there of like thinking that they couldn't learn anything like that. And that's why I love our church so much because we have male pastors and we have female pastors yep. and it's so important to hear both voices. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm really passionate about obviously like allowing, like bridging that gap and especially for women, like helping women really realize their voice does matter and not even just for women. Like I remember, um, I was actually in church one day and I got a word from God where it was like, you need to start speaking for men and women, not just women, because the world needs more leaders that are women not just for women. And so often women only like pigeonhole themselves into speaking for women because it's more comfortable. And I think, again, sometimes us as women, we think, well, you know, maybe I don't have something to teach a guy or something like that. But like a guy has no problem thinking that he has something to teach men and women, yeah. right? So yeah. again, it's like, I just challenge women and men listening right now of like, what are some of the stereotypes you might be putting in your brain that are like super subconscious? Obviously, like you don't think about these things and you wouldn't say it overtly, but it's like stuff that just floats in the subconscious mind. So, and I'm so glad that I, I, we kind of talked about this before the interview just for a few minutes because I, I wanted to, I didn't want men to start listening to this and then tune it out right. to your point. This is so it's 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 so interesting, right? Because you're so right about the fact that, you know, uh, you know, it, a, a woman won't hesitate to read a man's book, right? But mm -hmm. the other way around, it's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, you know, what are you what are you going to teach me? You know, it's, but it's mm -hmm. it's so interesting that we're and and but I uh, I love this. So guys, stick around. I mean, you guys know how it is. It's going to be entertaining anyway, so you're going to get something out of this. <laughs> All right, so before we dig in, because what we're going to do next is dig into Janelle's backstory, because we, we, we want to see what got her to this day. And so we're going to have a word from our sponsor, which is Real Deal Sleep, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Real Deal Sleep is my wife and I's uh, company that we've had for about 18, 19 years, give or take. Uh, we started in a storage unit. I was uh, selling mattresses out of a storage unit with an ad in the penny saver for side hustle as I was an x-ray technologist. And we are now the highest rated mattress store in the country on Yelp. So this this store, the mattress store, Real Deal Sleep, is the highest rated in the whole country. This, this is a big deal, right? But here, the reason I'm telling you this is because Real Deal Sleep pays the bills at Real Deal Talk. Okay? So if you love the show, if you're a fan, if you really want to support us besides sharing it, besides telling everybody you know about it, besides giving us feedback, writing reviews, which please, please, please do that. Uh, and by the way, thank you so much for watch, watching and listening. You guys, can't, I can't tell you enough how much it means to me, how humbled I am. Everywhere I go, people are coming up to me, giving me feedback. That means the world to me because that's why I designed this podcast was to make an impact, make a difference, leverage other people's voices that are have done way more than me and just to let them kind of make changes through this platform and make an impact. So I can't thank you enough. But if you want to support the show financially, like if you got a couple of bucks or if let's say you need some good sleep, come purchase a mattress, refer somebody to buy a mattress. Just go to realdealsleep.com. I've got sheets, pillows. I got the most incredible killer pillows you could possibly imagine. So realdealsleep.com. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Come support the show. Thank you so much. And back to Janelle Lene. Here we go. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so go back. You know how I do it. Go back. Where were you born and raised? Let's start there. Okay. I was born in Kansas. Mm. Yep. And right before I turned two, my family moved to Belarus, which is over by Russia. For wow. those who don't know. Yep. So my dad was teaching. He got a job teaching English at a Bible college there. So really, he was kind of like a missionary. Um, and so, yeah, it was my mom, dad. I had an older brother who's like 
less than I think he's like 15 months older than me so I was like mm. you know kind of an accident it's totally cool my parents are always like well, you were not an accident you are just an unforeseen blessing and I'm like <laughs> no 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 let's just call it what it is like you did not mean to get pregnant like four months after you like a four month old in your hands and you're like let's just do it again yeah no um but I'm obviously the best so it's totally of fine um so anyway we yeah two kids around the age of two they moved across the United States um we lived there for almost three years and then we moved to Colorado for a quick second, and then we moved to New York. And so I think about like my childhood is in upstate New York, um, Ithaca, where Cornell University is. And my dad worked as a basically a campus pastor for mm. an organization called the Navigators. Um, and so yeah, we were there for eight years, and I loved New York. Like I was like, New York is the best, and yeah. all this stuff. And I had all my friends there. Um, I was actually homeschooled, like. I was kind of, okay, so I was homeschooled from kindergarten to third grade, but then I was, I'm really social, so I was like begging to go to public school, because I'm like, I wanna go hang out with all the kids, you know? Yeah. And I did sports and stuff, like even prior to, so like luckily, even if you're homeschooled, you can do sports, but I was like, I wanna go be with kids all day. So went to public school for fourth grade and fifth grade, then went back to homeschool for sixth grade, um, kind of randomly, like I don't know, my parents, I think, Honestly, I think some of it might have been them trying to like protect me from stuff that happens when you start yeah. to go to middle school. And then part of it was because I asked to because one of my best friends was being homeschooled and her and I wanted to hang out more because like when you're homeschooled, this is why I feel like I'm crushing entrepreneurship is because when you're homeschooled, you're not taught that you have to like go to school from eight or 9 a.m. Yeah. or 7 a.m. or whatever time school starts. I don't even know these days all the way till three or four p.m. Like that model of school is actually created to support an eight, like an eight to five or a nine to five parent working. Yes. So that's why you're like, kids are in school for all those hours. Like kids can't actually learn for all those hours. It's super inefficient. So when I was homeschooled, I would be homeschooled for like three hours, maybe at the most. And then I'd have the whole day to go like play outside and be a kid and mm. have fun and journal. And like, I would actually assign myself homework. Cause I was like, so curious. And like, you just, when you aren't shoved into school for all these hours, this is such a random thing. I've never even talked about this on a podcast, but like apparently this. someone needs to hear it. I like it. Um, when you're like shoved in a school and I'm not against schools, I'm not saying I am, but I don't, and I, I don't know if I would want to homeschool. So it's a little bit of a catch 22, but I will say that being homeschooled was really cool because I would like assign myself homework and be like, you know what? I want to make a PowerPoint on Italy. And I would like go like assign myself the homework item of, you know, learning all the things about Italy and creating a whole PowerPoint on it. And I'd be like in second or third grade, you know? So, um, I think that homeschooling can definitely teach you to be like hungry for learning. Mm. Um, anyway, then I went to public school and I was like, dang, this is so inefficient. Like, why do we, I, I just remember getting there and being like, this is the most inefficient thing I've ever experienced. And I'm, I'm all about efficiency. Yes. Like I yeah. love efficiency yeah, so much. Yeah. It. Yeah. It. So it's, it's just an, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. So hold on a second. We're not going to go back because, <laughs> because this is becoming now more and more prevalent homeschooling. And so for people that are looking at this or watching or listening, whatever, dig into this a little bit more. I want to dig into because the, the, yeah. the, the thing that they're going to school is you're totally right. I mean, what do they do? It was designed around working parents. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what do you do though? Like then what if a parent works? How do you homeschool if you've got two working parents? Do you just bring somebody in to teach your kid at the house? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not a parent or anything yeah, like yeah. that. So I'm literally like the least qualified person to talk about this other than the fact that I was homeschooled for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it was your mom or your parents. It was yeah, mostly you? like my mom and then your my mom. dad would like do like one day a week kind of thing. Like Fridays were with dad yeah. Monday through Thursday with mom. Yeah, got it. Okay. 
Yeah, because uh, like Rachel, uh, my wife is the CHO, the, the chief home officer. She runs everything with the house. She does a one million things every day. But I don't know if she would if she would have the patience to homeschool. That's well. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I like. I'm grateful that I had that experience. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard for me to say like, I don't necessarily plan to. So I don't know what that mm, in between looks yeah. like. You know what I mean? You're like, how can I put my kid? Right. And I think that's why they have like, what are, I'm I'm again, I'm not even a parent, so I don't even yeah, know this yeah. stuff. But I'm like, there's those schools that are like more like artsy or whatever, where mm -hmm. they go on more like experiential trips and stuff. Yeah. So they're not just sitting in the classroom all the time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah there's so there's got to be an in betweener here. Yeah, there's saying. probably schools that offer something in between. <laughs> again, not yeah. an expert. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. I've never even talked about. No, podcast, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I love how that went. Um, now, okay, so go back here. Hold okay. on. Did you say? Did I hear Russia? Yeah, Russia, Bel Belarus, which is right next to Russia. All right, so you skipped over that really fast. <laughs> I don't forget anything. You're like, let's dive in. Yeah, hold on. You went from Russia to like, like Colorado, right? Was it Colorado? Yeah. How did that? How do you go from Russia to Colorado? What did you do in Russia? Well, what was so, going on there? Why I don't mean, you? Go, why did you go to Russia? Well, I went there just because I mean I was little. I was two. Years, I know it that, was like two to five. Why did your parents, parents go? <laughs> I know why you went. Well, because my dad was teaching English at a Bible college. I don't know. I mean, he, I think my parents always just like wanted to be missionaries of some kind or like, I don't know. They were just like open to new experiences and wherever God called them. And I think they just like felt like they should go to Belarus for a while. And so with two kids under two, which I think is cool because it's taught me to be like, I think sometimes to be honest, I guess talking about kids, I have definitely limiting beliefs that I'm working on mm. through like the idea of having kids because I have a lot of resistance, if I'm being honest, to the you idea do. of having children. Oh, for sure. How old are you? Um, 30. 30. Yeah, you're yeah, fine. I know. I've got time. so much time. You don't even think about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. Yes. But I keep being like, oh gosh, like maybe I should start no, thinking no, about no, it. No. But I try not to because I don't like to. But yeah. anyway, but when I do think about it, I think about how like a lot of times I feel like parents say stuff like, and again, this is like someone's own thought patterns and their own decisions in life. But I feel like sometimes parents make it seem like once you have kids, like you just like give everything to the kids and like you can't travel as much or you can't right. like you couldn't up and move or things like that. But it's like, well, my parents moved to Belarus with two children yeah. at the age of two, you know, or I yeah. guess like I was right under two and my brother was probably like right at two over. or three yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm like two toddlers and they moved across and they learned a new, they got, they hired a, um, uh, translator person who like taught them Russian. So now they like my parents speak Russian, like, and they learned all that while they were there. And so it just goes to show that like, you don't have to adhere to societal norms right. and you don't have to do things the way that people say you have to do things. Um, if you want to move somewhere, you can move somewhere. And like, I think, you know, I will say that when we talk about the next move from New York to Colorado, so, um, I went to Colorado for just a few months while my parents were trying to figure out, not I, our family went yeah. to Colorado for yep. a few months yep. while we were figuring out what we'd do next. So we were only in Colorado between Belarus and New York, New York for only like, I think it was like three or four months. So was that was like family a, there. Yeah. My no. grandparents gotcha. um, were living there. So we went and lived with my grandparents for a few months while my parents were figuring out next steps. Then my got, my dad got the job at Cornell, um, as that like pastoral person. And then we moved to New York and lived there for eight, nine years. Mm. So I, I don't even really count that like one little stint in yeah. Colorado was like three, four months. But then we moved to Colorado when I was in eighth grade and that's where it was like more traumatic for me. And that was like a time where, again, as if we, I can go there right now or we can go there a little bit later, but yeah, not, was, yet. not yet. Not yet. We got to drag people along a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, got, I still, I'm, I'm still on Russia. I'm still <laughs> I can't. 
I can't. I it's need Russia. Answers. I need to know everything. I need answers. But what I was going to say to finish this yeah, loop yeah. Go, is go. that, like, I think that you do kind of have to maybe be a little bit um, attentive to, like, your kids' ages, probably when you think about moving and yeah. try not to move them right. like, too crazy right. times or maybe too many times or whatever. But, you know, my family moved a bit and sometimes when I share this you know people are like oh were you like a military family or something and I'm like no I just feel like my parents were you know kind of I don't feel like we moved that much to be honest even though I know it sounds like we did I'm like we really didn't move that much I mostly lived in New York and I most in Colorado like two places mostly other than some of the other little ones yeah but um I think it's so good to actually move around. And I remember when I would meet kids in my high school who had all been born and raised in the same city and like all went to like preschool together and they were like showing like preschool dances that they did together and all this stuff. Like I actually felt bad for them. I was like, wow, like you've been stuck in the same city your whole life. Like you don't, you don't understand the world. Like you don't understand experiences. You don't understand. Like, I feel like when you move, it grows you like crazy. It it creates an adaptability in you that like can't be created when you're being, in my opinion, like coddled and living the same environment for your entire life. So I just think that people who there's nothing wrong with that. I'm obviously just sharing my experience, but I think that if you live in the same place your entire life and you never, ever, ever move somewhere, it's just, you're going to have a different experience. I think you're, you might just have a little bit of a harder time, like learning to take risks as you get older. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm very risk adverse is when you like, like risk, right? Or is risk adverse when you don't like risk? Uh, when you don't like it. Okay. I am risk happy. I'm just what's, yeah, what's risk the, uh, welcoming. Yeah. Risk. Uh, Oh, gosh, I, I forgot it now. There's a word. But there anyway, word. Uh, everyone listening probably can think of the word, but yes. we're here right now. We can't think of it. Yeah, we're drawing um, blanks here. It's fine. You like risk. I like risk. And I'm great at taking risk. Like I, And I think that I, again, I attribute a lot of that to my childhood. And I'm like really grateful for that. So I think that you can look at the pros and cons of like moving kids or saying like, oh, when you have kids, you got to stay in the same place or something like that. Like, no, you don't have to. And right. if you move, yeah, you could think of it as like, oh, I'm going to traumatize my child. Or you can think of it as like, and especially if you're having these open conversations with your child and being like, hey, like, I know this really sucks and this is really hard. And I'm also teaching you how to, you know, become better at taking risks. I'm, I'm teaching you how to grow. I'm teaching you how to get outside your comfort zone and be able to try new things that you're not used to trying. You know, I, and I'd love to I'd love to do like a study on this, like mm. to, like like take a poll of all the families who's who moved around quite a bit and to see whether like later on in life, do their children end up being entrepreneurs and taking more risk? Right. It'd be an interesting study. I, that would be a very interesting. Right. Maybe maybe it exists. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I was in the same hometown my entire childhood, childhood up to 18. OK, mm. but then I went right in the military. So I left that town. Wow. At 18, went around South America, and that's why how I got here. Wow. Um, and so, but you know, but I still have friends that are literally still in the town in their 50s. Yeah. The same town. Yep. In a small little town. Yep. And hey, to each their own. Um, but uh, I would love to do a study on this to see how many of the kids that moved around a lot to see how they ended up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. To see if they're basket cases or if they're entrepreneurs. <laughs> Or both. <laughs> or both. That's right. You, I think I'm a basket case and an entrepreneur, yeah, you, so it's pretty you, cool. <laughs> you, you have to be abnormal and crazy to be an entrepreneur. You kind of do. You absolutely do. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to Russia. Um, <laughs> just give me something about Russia. Like what, dead. What happened there? Like, obviously, you don't remember because you were two. Right. Well, you do start forming memories at the age but of me, two. But you do. Okay, so yeah. give me something from Russia. Give like, what was something. going on there? Okay. Like, what, what was, were the what, parents doing? 
your parents, not the parents. The, your I, parents. I've mentioned a few times they were teaching English yeah, I know, at a Bible college. I don't know. They like teaching English at a Bible college. <laughs> what made him? What made him pick this place? Uh, I I don't actually really feel like I know. Other than like I remember the opportunity. Like I think they just got invited and then they invited <laughs> by who? <laughs> who knew them in the states that were like, hey, let's go. Uh, Let's go and invite this, uh, uh, the Janene family. The Janene family. <laughs> to Russia. We need somebody. F- that's who we need. Right. Right. I mean, maybe my parents were like actually a part of the CIA and I like don't know that. You that's know what, what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like, this is what I'm getting there's at. There's probably something bigger here, JD. Oh that, my. Well, that's what I'm trying to get at here. Mom, dad, has my whole life a, been a lie? Right. Oh, I'm not I have so many this. questions all of a sudden. Yes. Yeah, Bible college. Okay. Bible college. Come on. <laughs> right. Wink, wink. Teaching like, let's, English. Right. Like they need to learn English. Right. There's plenty of people there who can probably teach them English. I'm sure. It was a. It was a covert op. Right. Is what it oh was. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. It's like Mission Impossible. I'm so excited. It all makes sense. We need to. We need to dig it. I need to get. Should your parents I call to, my parents right to, now? We need to get them on the show. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna set up the third mic. Fly him in from Colorado. Yep. They're gonna sit down. Oh, yep. I'm gonna set yes. up the third mic right there. Let's just wrap the show right now. Kind of like call it an end. I don't even want to get answers going first. until they get here. <laughs> Let's fly him in. We need answers today. You know, mom, dad, drop everything. And I'll just put the light right on their face. Just yeah. So, and I'll just, just grill them. <laughs> All right. So hold on a second. The, the Bible college. Okay. So what were you reading exactly? Yeah. 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 Really mm. dig into that. Let's yeah, figure who, out. Who's listening? Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. All right. So anyway, for another time. So that's all you're going to give me on Russia. That's it. I mean, I had a great childhood there. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I have some memories. What was the childhood about? Like, what were you doing? Literally, what do you mean a great childhood? I've never had anyone in my entire life care this much about <laughs> my my two and a half year stint in yes. Belarus from the age of two to four and a half. Yeah, well, um, we lived in like a big apartment complex. Um, we we got a dog mm. named Coco. And Coco actually did get stolen what? on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So see, here we go. Here we go. See, this Let is me life guess, in ransom? Russia. Well, yeah, <laughs> millions of dollars. <laughs> but Coco was worth it. Um, yeah, my dad was so like. There's all public transportation there, right? So we were like taking public transportation. Yeah, I don't know that. Oh, okay. Well, you know, like in Europe, it's mostly. You're acting like, like we know the transportation <laughs> in Russia. This is why I'm asking you asked the question. For, yeah, you asked for this details. This is why I'm asking Here the questions. Here they are. Um, yeah, so we are taking public transportation. Which is what, a bus? I think so. You yeah. think so? I mean, I was young. Don't I remember. remember. The, like, don't you remember you're, like, too? You're packed with a bunch of people all around you. You said we have memories of two. A lot of those people didn't really wear deodorant. I remember oh, that. Really? Yeah. Ooh. You know, culturally, like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. yeah. So okay. I do remember this is the story of Coco getting stolen is that my that Coco was a small um, Sheltie. So if you know what Sheltie is, it's like a miniature collie. Okay. So it's like, yeah. Lassie, come home. Yeah. Um, and my dad is holding this little baby cute puppy, Coco, and this couple that was on the train or on the bus, sorry, bus, 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 not train. Don't ask any questions about okay. the train. Yeah. Um, I won't. They asked if they could hold the puppy. Are you kidding me? And my dad said yes, because, you know, it's like people ask to hold puppies all the time. So he hands the puppy over and they, I guess that they get to a stop and then the, you know, the bus doors open and they start sprinting and running. And my dad had, I believe it was me and my brother. So like, again, two toddlers. So he couldn't like, I'm trying to remember what he said actually, like, but he like ran them down and like 
caught up to them. And my dad's a pretty athletic dude. So, uh, yeah, he like finagled the dog back out of their hands and got our dog back. And that's the story of how see, Coco we, we was rescued. We would have rescued. never heard the Coco story had I not dug into this. Just, now my gosh. listeners and watchers can move on from Russia. Exactly. Now that we know the Coco story. Exactly. Okay. Phew. So Coco must have been like... <laughs> part of the deal here huh right yeah, yeah or Coke. maybe he was the cover right yes <laughs> maybe there was like a chip inside of coco hey, that listen. my parents were delivering Who, to you know, yeah all of a sudden you have a dog right yeah that's kind of suspicious yeah only there for a little bit and they still got a dog they, did you bring coco back to the states yeah you did we did and you know what else is weird about it we had a dog in kansas there was also a Sheltie. My family always got Shelties. So we had three Shelties all growing up. Yep. Um, and we that was, name was Laddie. And Laddie was given away to a family friend right before we moved to Russia because they didn't think it was a good idea mm. to bring a dog with them. Wow. And then they got a dog. Oh, my gosh. In, that's weird. Yeah, this that's is bizarre. CIA. This is crazy. Okay. CIA, totally. All right. So you're there for, what, three years? Yep. Three years. What made you leave there? Um, Why did they leave? They left because they got another, my dad got another job. Hmm. No, 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 that's not true. Yeah, I'll, went to, I'll bet. <laughs> another assignment. There's another assignment. <laughs> um, I think that. Another covert operation. Maybe they got tired of living For two there? months in Colorado. I have so many questions now. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Like, Seriously. This is actually a good, just for all listeners who might be thinking that this is weird that we're going so deep, but my thought is like, maybe you need to ask more questions about your own childhood because yeah. sometimes we don't ask enough questions yeah, about our not? childhood. Yeah, you like, know? How, like what, what? Why did I mean, we this, move? These are viable questions that yeah. you would ask your parents. Like, what were we doing there? What like, were we doing? Why? Why? Like, like, what did you do? Were you going to homeschooling, obviously? You don't even remember? Don't even, no. Well, my um, my brother went to, I believe it's called Djetskiskov uh, or something like that, is like kindergarten yeah. in Russian. Right. Something. I think I like kind of butchered it. But, yeah, you probably did. Um, probably. Sorry <laughs> if anyone's actually Russian and they're judging me right now. Yeah. Um, so he went, but I think maybe I was so young. I don't know. Huh. I was probably just dancing around the house. Dancing around the house. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Still doing that. All right. So, so. You left and went to Colorado. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Colorado, a couple months before you went to New York. Yep. All right. Now I'll let I'll let you get to New York. So you're in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, what was going on in like in your? Do you remember in your childhood anything went on any like in? Because you're now in middle school. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Okay. So well, get, I so we moved to New York when I was five, and I okay, lived there five. from five to thirteen. Five to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What do you remember about New York? What did you What did you love about it? Oh. New York is the best. So it's upstate New York. So it's like very green, very lush. People think like, I think people confuse New York and think like all of the state of New York is all like New York City, City, which is just like hilarious because there's just like a little part that's New York City and then the rest is like a normal state. So no, I didn't take taxis to school every day. I've been asked that question many a times, but no, we took just a normal car. Um, But yeah, I just remember being like really green, really lush. I've always been very imaginative. So I remember like, playing outside a lot. We had a creek. We had like a whole acre. So like, and we had a forest. So I would go, um, I like thought I was Pocahontas. So I would go um, run barefoot through the forest. Um, so that was cool. I don't remember too many splinters, but maybe a few. Um, and now your parents, um, how was the relationship growing up? Did, were they a model um, marriage for you to, to, to model after? Did everything go well? Was everything what? Mm, mm. Not so much. Okay. 
my parents were really great parents. Yes. And they both came from homes where um, I think that they like, well, so my dad came from a divorced family and then my mom came from a family like the um, parents stayed together, but the kid, like she kind of felt like she wasn't um, given a lot of attention. And so basically I think when they got married and I think actually a lot of people do this and I think it takes like insane intentionality to not do this, which again, probably comes back into some of my own limiting beliefs. Um, But like, I think parents often just give everything to the kids, right? And then they forget about their own marriage Mm -hmm. and they forget to like go on date nights or go on trips by themselves or like just even like the daily intentionality of like, kissing your significant other before like playing with the kids or whatever. There's like little things you can be doing to put your marriage first. But a lot of times, um, you know, kids come first and then marriage comes second or even sometimes third after work. And so, um, that's kind of what I experienced growing up. Like even with my dad being like a pastor figure, um, he poured into people a lot, right? Cause he was working with college students and a pastor. And so he was pouring into them. Um, and then he poured into us kids a lot, but then, um, you know, at times was forgetting to give that to my mom. And so I would say and New York was probably the, the, the hardest time on their marriage because um, for those who don't know, New York is the second cloudiest state in the United States. So it's kind of like, um, you know, when people move to Oregon or Washington, you don't really realize how cloudy it is. Mm. And then Colorado is the sunniest state in the United States. So my really? mom was raised in Colorado. She was used to the sun. And then to have that like taken away and then to be like a stay at home mom with, so then I, by this time we had, there was two more kids in the picture. So there we there was four of us. I have three brothers and, um, you know, being a stay at home mom, four kids, cloudiness, I think it's just like a perfect storm. And then like my dad, not, you know, giving her the attention that she, you know, needed, um, and the support that she was looking for emotionally, right. Obviously everything else was there. And so, yeah, I would say like, for me, um, I just really started to work on, like, as I got older, it was, it was me needing to work on thinking that marriage could be happy because I I saw what my parents, like my parents were committed to each other and their marriage is, is made like crazy growth now and they're like so much stronger and it's cool that they like it's still beautiful because it shows like sticking together even through ups and downs which not everyone does in this day and age you know and so I still um I really commend them for that and I know that if you know if someone's going to be married for 10 20 30 40 years you know there's there's going to be ups and downs just like any relationship you know any even a friendship you have times where you feel closer and then times where you feel a little more distant from certain people you know and so um so I commend them for you know staying together and and all that good stuff but I will say I think for a long time there was the limiting belief that like marriage can't be happy Mm. or healthy um or actually I probably wouldn't say healthy because I don't think I knew that that was unhealth I just thought marriage isn't happy like marriage is hard I feel like I heard over and over and over again marriage is hard marriage is hard marriage is hard and so you know what you focus on you create more of right. and so that's like what in my I actually this is wild I used to have Freudian slips where I would call weddings funerals I'd be like yeah I'm going to a funeral this weekend and people like oh my gosh who died and I'd be like oh so, so sorry 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 uh wedding and it was really weird. Like I was like, and it happened lots of times. Like if it happened one time, you might just be like, yeah. oh, that was a weird little mix up. But like numerous times. And sometimes even in my brain, I would catch myself thinking the word funeral when I would think about a wedding. And so I was like, wow, why do I? And so I think I even like, in some ways, like I have a lot of like masculine energy and I feel like I've always mm-hmm. gotten along well with men and all this kind of stuff, not in like a, I don't know, not in a bad way, but just in a, in a way that like yeah. I grew up with three brothers and that's what I'm used to. And so I feel like almost in a way, like, I feel like a lot of men kind of have that that mentality of like, um, especially when they're single and having fun and stuff. It's kind of like, 
you know, the day that you get married is like you kind of die a little bit inside. And like a lot of movies make jokes of like men saying that kind of stuff, like, you know, the hangover or whatever, like just kind of this idea of like, your singleness is your best and stuff. So I kind of like lived in this weird world. I would say, again, this is like uh, college and post-college and stuff. I like wanted marriage and I was really excited to meet my person. But at the same time, I would often think like the day that you get married is like the day that you die a little bit inside yeah. and that like your freedom is gone. Cause I'm just such a, I'm a very, very independent person. And so I think that like, yeah, I used to just be like, Oh, I don't know. Like men are just, just going to like suffocate me or something like that. Or being married, it's going to be such a, like, it's such a big commitment and it's so hard, you know, it's always going to be hard, hard, hard. Like I just think way too many people speak over their life that marriage is going to be hard. And then, a lot of times their marriage is hard. And also I think sometimes they like attract that into their life because Mm -hmm. they're constantly speaking that. And so for me, I went to therapy um, in like in my early twenties and started like working through some of like um, my parents' relationship stuff and yeah, just like how they interacted and how I watched kind of, um, you know, my dad, make jokes or something and my mom kind of pull away and I'm like, what's happening? You know, I like make jokes about her or well, I think like, yeah, that sometimes there are jokes about her or like, I think what he would do, cause I wouldn't always see this, but what was interesting is I realized he did it to me too sometimes where he would like make a joke to me, but it didn't here. Here's an example. When I, when I talk, sometimes I use the word like, and I don't think it's that big of a deal because I'm a human being. And if I use the word like, it's kind of like whatever. But I would tell stories sometimes in high school at the dinner table. We ate dinner together every night, which is so cool. Um, and I would be like, like this, blah, 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 like, like, you know, and, and so I'd be really excited about my story. I'm not overthinking the word choices. I'm not like in freaking Toastmasters where I'm getting a little click every time I say the word like I didn't think. But then my dad would be like, you know, my dad or even like one of my brothers would kind of be like, we just counted the amount of likes that you're, you told in your story and it was 23. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, well now you just killed everything in me that wants to tell this story to you. So now I'm not going to talk, you know, and they'd be like, no, 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 finish the story. I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't want to use any more likes and add to my like count, you know? Um, and so I think, that, so there would be like kind of moments like that where my, my dad liked to push buttons a bit, but then he would kind of cover it with a joke. So it would seem funny. So to outsiders, it can feel kind of funny because yeah. you're like, ha ha ha. Yeah. She used use the word like so much. But when you're like, you know, send something that's kind of sensitive to you, you don't really, you know, you're like, I don't really want to think about if I'm using the word like when I tell my story. So now I just feel like, not telling the story, you yeah, know, I just yeah. feel a little smaller now yeah. and not so excited. Mm. And so I think that it was probably stuff kind of like that that was happening where maybe like it was like little button pushing moments, but then covered up with a joke. Yep. Um, and then my mom and then my, you know, we're like, mom, like joke around, be fun, like, ha ha, you know, and she's like, you know, in her mind, she's like, it's not funny. But um, and something my mom has shared with me, like she's really grown in her confidence and being able to speak up. Um, and that's something I think that I it's part of what planted me loving to help women be confident and speak their mind more because I watched that um, probably not happen as much growing up with my mom. And I think that's like a traditional gender role again is like uh, women are just meant to kind of like, I don't know, like it's not like my parents would ever say this and my dad would certainly not say this. It's not like he believes women are meant to be seen and not heard, but there is, I think just some like almost like generational curses or things Mm -hmm. like, again, just subconscious things that float around in our mind that kind of like can create that environment. And it's on the woman too, right? Like um, I actually had this interesting conversation recently where I found out that um, 80% of divorces are because the woman leaves the man. 80%. 80%. And I didn't believe that. I was like, that is such BS. That's not true. Um, so I Googled it 
And it is true. And especially, it's 80% for women who have an education and it's 70% for women who aren't educated. Hmm. So um, if you're, you know, if, if you're a woman and you don't have an education, then you're more likely to stay with your your guy if he's like the breadwinner because you like need the money, right? Yeah. Um, which is why you hear so many stories of women who are like in abusive relationships and they stay around, because yeah. they have the kids and they, they can't like leave and feed the kids and get a job and all those things. So they stick around. And I'm not saying like just to make sure, I'm very clear, my parents had a a good marriage. Like it wasn't anything like yeah. that yeah. at all. So that's not what I'm saying. And I don't think my mom ever thought about leaving anything like that. But what I am saying is like when I found out about women being 80% of the reason why like divorce is... I, I, not why I'm not I'm not blaming women, but eighty percent of divorce is because the woman is Left. leaving the man. Yeah, and I think that a root of that is because women aren't speaking up soon enough, mm. and so they're letting resentment fester inside of them, and they're letting things that are not okay. Like the man is doing it; it's it is like it's on him that yep. he's doing these things. Uh, but if the woman is like not speaking up, or if like I've noticed a lot of times, like a lot of the clients I work with and a lot of the work I do, I've just noticed. Women think they're saying things, but they're saying things so watered down yeah. that it's like, you're not really saying it. Like, you think he understood what you were saying? Like, you think she, even like, you know, like if you're saying things and they're watered down, people might not know what you're trying to say, you yeah. know? And, and I love Brene Brown says, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And so many women, especially, I know men too, um, but especially women think that like being clear and being almost like a little bit what might feel like brutal honesty, like really, really honest, they think that's being mean. They think that's being like malicious or something like that. And then it's actually nicer to basically like beat around the bush you say it, but you're not like, you don't really say it, say it, you know, and, and to just like hold things in and to be nice. You know, women are just taught from such a young age, like we're supposed to be sweet and small and nice. And like, you know, just this, this behavior of like a, a little girl. Yeah. And yeah. that's why like women show up like that. And so, um, and so that's why I'm so passionate. I mean, a lot of the work that I do is in in the career and like helping women learn how to speak up in, in meetings and learn how to speak up in um, in their career and like throw their hat in for things and, and you know, go after the things that they want to go after. Yep. But some of that actually carries over into relationships and marriage as well, because if they're not speaking their mind at work, they're probably not speaking their mind to their spouse the way they need to be. And so I think part of what needs to change, obviously men have growth, you know, we all have growth to experience. Sure. Men have their growth. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not putting this all on women, but I do think the, the thing that women really get to learn to do is speak up, speak their mind and be really, really clear about what you need. And I remember one thing, you know, last thing I'll add on this is that I took a um, HR class in college and I remember them saying, you should always have a three strikes you're out policy when it comes to firing someone. So they said, first time you sit them down if they do something wrong and you say, this is exactly what you did wrong. You get three strikes as your first strike. If I ever see this again, you'll be fired. You know, or if you're not like, let's say they're not performing properly, right? Yep. Your numbers aren't where the numbers need to be. You know, we gotta get your numbers there. And, and of course you wanna coach them on, you know, how to, how to do that. Um, but, but you have that strike, right? And if you don't see any change, then you, you sit them down and there's a second meeting. And you tell them very clearly, this is the last meeting, things need to change, and you're very clear about what needs to change or else there is an ending here. And then if they continue the behavior, they continue to not have the results, they don't show up, whatever it is, 
then on the third strike, there is no surprise. There, there is no like you're not sitting them down and being like dropping a bomb on them and saying you're fired. You know, they're they're like, you know, they know yeah. they know it's coming. They you say, hey, we have time for a meeting, and they're like, oh crap, here it is. You know, this is my third strike, and they know. And so I remember learning that, and I remember thinking, okay, I love that for work, obviously. And then I was like, I want to take that into my relationships. So if I'm ever dating a man. I want to give him like a three strikes you're out policy where, and, and there's some things that, you know, like are not a three strikes you're out policy. Like, yeah. of course, if there is um, abuse, that is like a one strike you're out. Yep. Um, but there are certain things like, let's just say he's not being intentional enough or he's not, you know, he never brings me flowers. He never makes me dinner. He never does the right things, whatever. Um, he's not helpful around the house. That's where I think like women need to sit down. And, and like, I think that these women, again, I'm, I'm thinking about so many uh, of my friends have told me like, oh yeah, my parents divorced. Like my mom just like one day like left my dad and it was like so random and my dad didn't even know. Like my dad would be like, what? Like he, like sometimes yeah. I think the men are just so unaware of what's happening. And again, like maybe the woman thought she said some things. Mm. Maybe she thought like little comments here, little comments there. Like you need to do more of this. I would like you to do more. Like maybe they're saying like sweet little passive comments here and there or even just passive aggressive. Maybe it's not sweet. Right. Just passive aggressive comments here and there. And But they're not ever being clear enough. And so I just think there's so much power and clarity and power in being a little bit brutally honest and you're saying exactly what you need. And I think that that could heal relationships potentially if a woman was like sitting down and saying, Hey, here's what's happening. If I don't see a change, this marriage will not work out for us. And, and being able to be so crystal clear on that. So the man actually like sees what needs to happen. And the same with like, let's say like, I feel like sometimes women are like, yeah, I asked him if you want to go to therapy, but like he didn't really want to go to therapy and talk about stuff. It's like, okay, does he know you're thinking about leaving him? Because maybe if he knew the severity, then ho hopefully he'd go to, you know, if he's willing yeah. to fight for you, then he'll go to therapy, right? But, um, and, and not every not every guy wants to fight for it. And that's, that's a whole other story. But I'm just saying for like the women who are kind of like up and leaving really quickly without having that serious conversation, I just think that's really important. It, and it's, I can't believe it's 80%. I know. Wow. I looked at numerous, like I kept like, I was, I was like, surely this is a lie. And I kept scrolling on Google and every single article like continued to confirm. Wow. That. And, and yeah. something, uh, <clears throat> something I've always preached on along my way here, cause my wife and I've been together for 21 years. So I get a lot of people asking me advice. How do you do this? How do you, do, how do you, how do you do it? How do you stay? Uh, you know, what, what's the, like, what's the secret? And, and I always just say that you have the talk. That's what, mm -hmm. that's my reply to everybody. And like, well, what's that before you lock in? Have the talk, get all this stuff out there. What do you like about me? What do I like about you? What are deal breakers, you know, before you lock in? Right, talk right, Talk right. about oh, everything. Yeah. What are, align, align your goals, your mm -hmm. aspirate, like Rachel Your I, finances. Finances, goals, aspirate, where yes. are we going? What are we doing? What's the mission? Our mission yeah. was entrepreneurship right from the gate. So we're going to be entrepreneurs. She was like, I'm down. Let's do it. We're going to be, you know, working a lot around the clock. Um, our, our spiritual beliefs, mm -hmm. everything has to line up. Yep. And most people don't do that. Yes. They just jump in. They fall in lust at first, mm -hmm. then a little bit of love. Oh, let's just get, let's just get married. Right. Cause that's what we're supposed to do. Right. Not having any of the talk, these open conversations that you're talking about. Cause once you lock in, then it's like, Ooh, now and then, like you said, they seem to be like they're not willing. To, they're they don't want to because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. When you speak up, it's confrontation. Yeah, right. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, we could go down this whole thing like for because I'm fascinated by the whole thing on because look at our divorce rate in in, in America. Right, it's minute. It's fifty percent plus. Right. Right. Like why is that? Right. 
what's the main what's the main reason? I always say it's the upfront communication, the beginning that nobody's doing. Yeah, but not 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 to good. Of course, while it's going on, you have to work on it. Right, 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 right. Of course, but you can yeah. avoid a lot of that. Yes, yes, yes. By yes. doing it early, because then, like you said, there's no there's no surprises later. Right. Like hey, like uh, all these a lot of women come to me and they're like, oh well. You know, I, this happens and that happens and this is the way he is and this is what he's doing. I'm like, well, was he like this when you met him? Well, yeah. <laughs> the first thing, a question I ask right. every time. They expect me to jump. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my yeah. gosh. Let, yeah. me get, let me get your pity party. Oh. Yeah. And I don't. I say, was he like that? Did he mm. like watching football on Sundays all day in front of the TV on Sundays when you met him? Yes. Okay. Well, why didn't you? So you can't go back on this. <laughs> You're done. This is on you. Yeah. You allowed that from the beginning. Yep. You didn't work it out. Uh, and this is what he does. Did you? Was he like that early on? Yes. Well, it makes We're, sense. My yeah. work is done here. Right. Look in the mirror. My work is done here. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. Because everybody does this. Yeah. And it's funny you give that example because I dated a guy for six years who loved watching sports yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I remember like it was a constant point of contention for us because I was like, let's just get outside. Let's go do stuff. Like, um, you know, and I was like, if you have like one team and one sport, that's a little bit easier for me. And again, this is just me. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Whatever. Everyone's You're different. You're not alone though. And, and I'm like, but I don't plan to be watching TV I don't even, I don't really like watching TV. I wasn't raised with actually going back to my homeschool and my, like yeah. we had a TV, but we never had television. Like we never had cable TV. So I was raised not using, you know, we had media time. We had like 30 minutes of media time a day. You could go on the computer or you could play video games for 30 minutes or your Game Boy, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, I love being off of, and that's probably why I have so many phone boundaries, screen boundaries. I'm just like the queen of boundaries. Wow. And I think like, I can't imagine sitting in front of a television for like, six hours every Sunday of my life. Like I would literally not like, I mean, I wouldn't be there for that. And luckily I'm really independent. So I could just do my own thing. But anyway, I dated a guy for six years who was like that. I remember talking to my mom about it and, and that was something they kind of like sometimes wrestled with a little bit was my dad wanting to watch a lot of sports, my mom not wanting to as much. And what do we do on our weekends that like where they can bond together, yeah. you know? And so I remember her saying like, you know, and my mom actually was a therapist for 10 years. So she became a therapist later in life, which was when actually a lot of their hmm. marriage stuff wow. really changed. So that was really cool. Um, and so she was like, you know, from my experience, both in marriage and from all the therapy I've done, people generally become more of who they are, not less of who they are. So she was like, if your boyfriend loves watching like six hours of sports every Sunday, I wouldn't plan on that be, like diminishing. Right. I would plan on that like passion potentially getting even like could even get more like it could grow even. And so I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like because you think you can change people, mm -hmm. you know, you think you're like, well, I'll just show them how great it is to like go be outside or go to a cool, cool like coffee shop or whatever. But you can't change people, no. you know. And no. so um, I remember one of those. That was one of the things that I was just like, you know, I really want to meet someone who doesn't watch a lot of TV, does like, I, I'm cool with, again, some sports stuff, but it's like, I can't be every weekend. I can't watch sports every weekend. Um, I wouldn't, so I, I, just, I would just leave, but if he would want me to be there, like, I'd be like, no. Um, and, and this is why it's it's so important to in the beginning mm -hmm. before you, and I say lock in was when you put on the, the hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean by lock in, the, 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 ring. the, yep. the marriage. Yep. 
you got to talk about it beforehand, not wait. Because mm-hmm. then, like, I'll give you an example here. And I use this example a lot, and people think I'm nuts, but they it's pretty funny. So when Rachel and I met, one of the things before we moved in together, because for me, that was locking in, because I knew that she was the one mm-hmm. we were going to move in together just to, um, this is before, like, you know, 20, we're talking 21 years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things in the beginning, I said, listen, uh, let's do this thing, but I, I need to let you know that there's going to be a, a, a deal breaker here, that the, for the rest of our entire lives, the house is going to be as cold as a meat locker. <laughs> yeah. Because she's Asian, and Asians are always freaking cold. <laughs> right? So I said, this is the way it's going to be. Uh, for, it's a deal for me for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm not even kidding you. Yeah. And I'm like, are you okay with that? She's yeah. like, yes. I'm like, okay, sign right here. Mm-hmm. The, the air conditioning clause, mm-hmm. I, call, I called it. <laughs> And I'm not even kidding you. That was part of, we talked about it. Because right. let's say I didn't say that. Yeah. Let me tell you right now, for 21 years, Rachel, mm. my wife, beautiful, amazing, the most ba- amazing human being on planet Earth, every night tells me how cold she is. Right. I'm like, and we'll get Crazy. to midnight. We're yeah. laying in the bed and all of a sudden it's midnight. And I'm like, I made it a whole day without her telling me how cold it was. And all of a sudden I'll hear, Purr. Wait, what? this is real life? Is or the, this is? Yes. Oh, this I'm is real being life. serious. Oh, Okay. But you told her, so you're like, it's cold. Is the heat on? What's the AC on? Every (laughs) night for 21 years. And you know what my response is? Hey, we talked about this. We signed off on this. Yeah. Yeah. So there's nothing she can do about it. Mm -hmm. And this sounds terrible, like I'm this driving guy, but it's my happiness. Right. I can't be hot. You can't be sweaty. No. Yeah. I'm like, just wrap up. Put More on blankets. A, I'm like, put on. I already have socks on. Put on a sweatshirt. I already have one. And put on another one. My my point is, what if I hadn't done that? I'd be yeah, miserable my right, whole life. Right. Because I'd never be sweating about my it. ass off for, for the rest of my life. Miserable. <laughs> and now you now your wife just gets to be miserable. So yes. it's perfect. <laughs> well, but no, I completely agree with you. But because what I'm saying, the point is, yeah, talk about it up front and know what you want. Like that's what yes. the thing is. Is like I coach a lot of people, both men and women. Actually, like so many men from our church, yeah. I've had them make their list, and actually two of the guys, okay, so I had them this. make their list of everything they're looking for, and it has to be a list of twenty plus things. And like, yes, two or three of them can be like looks oriented, but otherwise, the rest of the list, like at least fifteen things, need to be around personality and like super specifics around who the person is that you're looking to attract. And so, yeah. One is actually married and one is in a serious relationship, like looking at rings. And so I know that this stuff works and I've had numerous clients make their lists of everything they're looking for. And I know I feel like there's a lot of Christians who are like against the list too. Like there's some people who love the list idea. Some people don't like it. Um, I get the idea of not like super pigeonholing yourself on super specific things because yes, the person might come in a slightly different package, which is why I think um, having the external stuff be like, um, not super like, you know, don't lock in super strong on the looks yeah. part. Although again, I will say, I also feel like I had so many women tell me that I had like two higher standards and that like, you know, they're like, well, he just might not look like the way you think he's going to look. And that would always piss me off too. Cause I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to attract someone who's hot as hell. So don't like try to tell me I'm gonna have to settle in the looks department. And I did not. And I got yeah. the whole package and I'm like, so I actually am all about like you, I think every person should be attracted to their person. And so I think sometimes again, especially I would say in Christian culture that there's kind of this idea that like, you know, you maybe shouldn't be like that. You don't need to be that attracted. It's really just about like the heart and the person that they're you're trying. I'm like, no, I, I'm a both and person. Like I believe in, I believe in abundance. I believe in both and. And so I believe that you're allowed to have it all. And so I believe even though they might look a little different. So like one of my clients, 
she just recently attracted a guy that she's really excited about and he's a little bit shorter than she thought mm. but everything else is there from the personality to he's still extremely handsome so she's just like okay yeah i thought he might be a little taller but that's all just the height right that's okay. all it, why are you why are you making that, that face just, um, what you like keep like doing sorry that i just know how it is with guys when they're short well that's what i'm saying but like he he has everything else <laughs> what's with that face you're like what's i don't know yeah you keep doing that thing i don't like, i know how that is he, with, a, like, with a girl and a short guy I think they're like same height or something like that. Okay. So it's not a big deal. Okay. Yeah. I don't. And that's what I'm saying is like, I don't think that like you can you have to have some flexibility on certain things I put on my list. So like, how's that one going? Give me that. Uh, well, they, this is very new. So I can't really talk okay. to it too much. Okay. It's yeah, like don't. literally a couple weeks. Okay. Old, so yeah, that don't. one's very new, but she, her and I have been doing a lot of like, you know, I, I mostly work with people in their careers, but every so often, like we, like if I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, which I don't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching at this point, because I have an academy called confident life Academy. And so that's like all the work I've done the last five years put into an academy. Um, so I actually don't do very much one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore, but if I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, a lot of times I'm working with women simultaneously on career and relationship because again you bring you with you so if you're lacking confidence in your career you're probably lacking confidence in the dating department yep. as yeah, well there's totally. a lot of like that and a lot of times actually like you might throw yourself so much into work that you actually don't make time mm. for um for dating or you put up walls and like you use your career as your like protection mechanism from having to do dating blah 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 anyway that's a whole other conversation but back to the list is that i made a list of everything that i was looking for and i made the list numerous times and i have all the journal entries i actually have like a whole uh, module called get ready and attract your future husband. And it's all that's, about that's like, that's in your business, the module. It's not in confident life Academy, okay. but it's, it's actually, I think it might be my next course mm. because I've had enough people asking, like people want all the career stuff and then they want relationship stuff. So I'm like, maybe I'll take a second course. So because relationship stuff is like relationship stuff's really top awesome of the too. list. Yeah. And when you read my book, it's all about different limiting beliefs. And I tie in, Again, it's like, cause every, we're just also connected. So I'm like, you can't like yes. leave things out. So like in my book, I'm talking about, you know, the guy that I was with for six years and like the limiting beliefs I had around that had, like kept me there. And I actually had a woman DM me uh, last week that said she left behind her, behind her fiance because of reading my book, which, you know, makes me sad, but she's like really happy because she's like, I was about to get married to someone to your point, like yes. you were just talking about that wasn't actually a good fit for me. And right. so she feels a lot of peace around her decision, but she was about to move forward in marriage, lacking that intentionality around like, is this the right person for me mm. and so um i actually have had two people message me that and my book's only been out for six months so it's like i already had two people have messaged me on instagram saying that because of reading my book they've ended up leaving behind a relationship that wasn't a good fit for them so i do know that talking about career and relationship in my book it definitely ties it all all together um but what I was going to say is I had the list of, of 20 things and I made that all that I made it all the time. And I'd come back to who am I looking to be with? Like who am I? And, and also the other list I encourage people to make is a list of 20 things they bring to the table. Mm. Because I think so often we can think like you can get into like a fantasy land where you're just like, I want this perfect person. Right. But then like, you're like, bro, like you have flaws too, you know? Yes. So like, let's look at your flaws and what you bring to the table. Like you bring awesome things to the table, but also you have flaws and like, I remember when I started dating my now husband, Frankie, I was like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, I'm not a patient person. That's not one of my, that's not one of my natural strengths. It's something I'm working on for sure. But just like, never expect me to be like a naturally patient person. Like, I feel like a lot of people yeah. have natural patience and that's really cool. Yeah, but like, I don't, I don't, that's not who I am. And then same with like being like nice, you know, I'm like, I'm not traditionally nice. Like I'm brutally honest. I'm, I'm the in your face person. I'm the person who like, I do sometimes make people cry because I say the truth and I don't mean to, I say it in love. 
and I say the things that no one else is willing to say and I, and I need to say it to someone. And sometimes that sucks. I don't like always having to be that person. I don't. But if someone's not saying something to someone and it's like they deserve that growth, yeah. like to me, it's a, it's a present. Like yeah. I'm giving them a gift by giving them loving feedback. Again, I do it in the most loving way I possibly can. Um, but like people need more truth in their life. So I, 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 you know, I told him like he actually, Frankie actually had some friends who said they didn't think he should marry me because of my big personality. And cause they're like, their wives are just a little bit more traditional and I'm just not traditional. And so they were like, we're kind of worried about her. Like, and, and Frankie was like, no, like I promise she's a good person. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of hilarious, but, um, it, and it's cool. Cause if, you know, Frankie's helped me learn how to like sometimes say things a little more gently or like, Sometimes I do go into coaching mode with people where I'm like, you know, if I see them walking on a path they shouldn't be on, I'm like, I'm gonna let you know what's up. But not everyone wants that. So yes. I've had to kind of learn yeah. to be yeah. like, they didn't hire you, Janelle. Like they aren't paying you. I know this is your job. I know you're used to telling people like, you know, and not that I'm telling them what to do, but I'm like, hey, this is the limiting belief I'm seeing or like asking good questions. Like I, I'm a great question asker. So I dig things out of people. And like often people are like, I've, I'm telling you something I've just never told anyone in my entire life right now. And so I, I dig, um, but not everyone wants to be dug into. So right. that's where I've had to learn right. to like step back sometimes. And like, you know, if I'm meeting someone for the first time, just try to be like a little more pleasant. I'm like, just don't dig in too hard tonight, Janelle. You got this. Yeah. Just be yeah, pleasant. They didn't hire you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it's, uh, it's, I learned along the way a while ago that unless somebody asks your opinion mm-hmm. on something, don't share it. Yeah. Cause nobody, they don't want to hear it. Right. Nobody wants to be coached. Nobody wants to be told. Right. Right. Well, unless I feel like ask. you can ask. Yeah. I think you can, if you like, it depends on if this is a stranger, obviously again, I'm like, I'm not really necessarily talking about total strangers, but let's yeah. say it's like yeah. a friend, maybe you're not best friends, but you're friends and you're and they're like sharing a bunch of stuff with you. And you're like listening and you're like, oh crap, like this is not good. Like some of these things are not great. You know, how can, and and they think, but they think it's all okay or whatever. That's where I usually just ask for permission. And I'm like, hey, like, are you open to a little bit of feedback? And then if they say yes, then great. I'll give them the feedback. And again, it depends on how close you are to the person. Um, Totally, totally. But not everyone, you know, and and I've gotten to a point, honestly, now that I've been a coach for, you know, I've been, I've been the CEO of Next Level Confident for five years. Like now I'm like a lot more comfortable in, in my what I do that now, sometimes, honestly, I, I like naturally kind of pull away. Cause I'm like, people don't like, I do this for my job all day, every day. So sometimes it's nice to just, you know, go be around people and, and not talk right. about super deep things. So I, I think now I've mm. kind of gone the other direction where I'm like, Interesting. I'm like, uh, I don't feel the need to give them the feedback. Yeah. Like they'll figure it out on their own or, or they won't, that's or, or where, they can hire me. One of the three. Yeah. That, 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 that's kind of where I'm at too as well. But if they're a very, very good friend of mine, yes, I will let them know immediately yes. that that's a poverty conscious mindset, yep. a limiting belief. Yep. I have to say something. Right. And then I tell my friends, I'm not in your life to tell you what you want to hear. Just so you know. Right. So either you're going to run for the hills someday <laughs> or you're going to stick around and grow. Yep. Um, because I'm going to tell you what you do not want to hear all the time. Mm-hmm. And those are only my very, very close. But everybody else, I'm like, eh, I, I don't need to. Yeah, that's. I think I've gotten to, to that point. On exactly. Right? I'm just getting that. really mature now that I'm 30. Just, oh my god. So oh my god. Thir- life starts at 30. You know, I this. know. Like literally starts at 30. My life is getting like better and better yes. every freaking. 30 day. is I'm where pumped. it starts. Well, I mean, you're an awakened church. That's, that's all we. True. That's all we got to say. Amen. 
the amount of growth that we've had there, and I know I speak for you when I say this, that we've, we've grown more in the last, let's call it two years since we've been there than the prior 20. Uh, well, yeah, I put you at 10, uh, almost, <laughs> almost in Russia. Um, but for me, it was the prior. But anyway, uh, we've grown, and it's the, the outlook of our life now of where we're at. We can go into that, this entire podcast of how um, unbelievable the people that we've surrounded ourselves. Or let's, let's say we've attracted into our lives. Yeah. So on that note, let me segue right into that attraction because mm-hmm. that's the name of the game and, and like you said when you it's great to make this big fluffy list but in order to track that person guess what you have to be become yes you attract who you are would mm-hmm. you agree with that i've always oh, preached percent. this we attract who we are we become who we hang around but most importantly because i have again a lot of women come to me for advice and they'll always be like oh well um, I, I'm dating this person and uh, I want the guy that has, does this. I want a guy that, you know, like you, you take Rachel on date nights every, almost every week. I want to, I'm like, okay, well, it, it, I said, do you, I go, let me ask you a question. Um, would that guy want to date you right mm-hmm. now? Would they want to, are you, that, are you the catch right now for that type of guy? A guy, are you like kicking ass and taking names right now as a woman that's just taking charge? And, yep. and um, I'm like, you need to look in the mirror. So get into that as far as uh, a confidence of a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they going to attract that ideal? I don't know if we're going to get into that, but talk to me about the women's confidence on how important that it is to attract yeah. someone to their life. Yeah. Like, the, the thing I always come back to is that your external world is just a reflection of your internal world. Mm. So anything that's happening in your external world that you're not pumped on, you got to look at what's happening inside of you that is creating that result. And um, so the premise of everything that I teach both to clients in my in my academy, and when I speak for companies, um, your beliefs lead to your thoughts, your thoughts lead to your actions, and your actions lead to your results. So if you don't have the result you want in a certain area of life, you've got to look at your belief around what's possible. And I do the same thing for me. I don't have every single result in my life that I want. So anytime I don't have a result, I'm like, what is my belief around what's possible? And to your point, it really is about becoming the person that would attract. I mean, I guess going back to the relationship thing, I remember exactly where I was sitting. This is one of the lessons in that, in that thing I was telling about that will probably be live at some point. But, um, I gave it out. I give it out to clients. That's that's where this this get ready and yeah. attract your future husband workbook. It goes to like my clients, but it's not live in the world. Um, so I remember it was when I was dating that six year boyfriend, and I remember driving down the street in Fort Collins, Colorado, where I went to college, and. I remember sitting at the stoplight. It was like Kidobo was over there. I'm on the corner of Shields and Elizabeth. And I just remember getting hit with this word that was like, your dream man would not want to date you. Mm. And I would be like, ouch, that freaking hurts. And I was looking at my lifestyle, you know, partying, very flirty, you know, like even though I had a six-year boyfriend, I would flirt it up a lot of guys and be like, oh, we're just friends, Um, you know. Okay. But if you were single, he'd want to date you. So you're not just friends. Um, and just, yeah, the lifestyle I was living and like, I wasn't really like driving towards things. Like I didn't really have like a vision for my future. I wasn't like, um, I don't know. I was like spinning my wheels. I was like mm-hmm. on a hamster wheel, you know? And so I remember in that moment being like, I've got to become the woman that that guy, like the kind of guy that I keep picturing, I've got to become, and it's not just for him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's about the journey. And I think what's cool is that at first it kind of was for him, if I'm honest, like when I say him again, it's like this like metaphorical or like distant figure that I don't know who, who him is, but the guy that I thought that would be amazing. Right. Um, 
And, and so I, I started at first in my journey, like, how can I become the woman that would attract that kind of guy? And um, especially like with my faith, I was like, I am like going to church, but I'm also like drinking a bunch and like getting wasted and doing all these things that like really aren't aligning with the things that I'm saying. You know what I mean? So like my actions are speaking louder than my words. So I was like, I want to become a person who my actions and my words align. And so I started like really becoming that person. I had some mentors at that time that were really pouring into me and they were like, you know, think about your bucket list, like go after the things on your bucket list and then see who's beside you. I think for some reason I had kind of like a scarcity mindset around this idea of like bucket list or getting really started on life because I was like, well, I don't want to do all those cool things without my man. Like Mm. I want to do them with together. Like, you know, like just be so cool. Like I just want to create those memories with him. I don't want to create those memories by myself. Um, And again, some of that was coming from a place of like, I used to have really low self-esteem and really low self-worth, which is why I'm a confidence coach because I know what it feels like to have that negative self-talk, to constantly talk down to myself, to tell myself that I don't belong and I'm an outsider. I'm not good enough. And like all the thoughts that like swirl around in the mind. And so at that time, because I think I had so, so much like low self-worth, I was actually, I think looking to the, to the guy to like help me feel better about myself or something like that. Um, and so, mm. it, so I, what was cool is that once I, I shifted my mindset to becoming the woman that would attract him at first, it really was like how, like, what would that woman do? You know, but as time went on, I actually started to like, not focus so much on like becoming it for him. I just started to actually fall in love with myself mm. and I started to realize how awesome I am. And I started to be like, there we go. Oh my gosh, it's like fun going to the mall by myself or it's fun. Like going on these cool adventures and traveling and like, I, this is so random, but I always wanted to like pet a tiger. And like, I, I think now that's like super like illegal or something, Crazy. but like six years ago or eight years ago, whenever this was, I like one of my bucket list items was to hold a baby tiger. And there was a place in Colorado that you could go hold baby tigers. And that was on my bucket list. But I kept saying, I don't want to do it until I meet my man and then Mm. it'll be like such a fun like I don't know why it was like such a weird bucket list item I just like love tigers like tigers have always been my favorite um and so I I remember being like okay time to go pet the like time to go hold the tigers I like drove with a friend and we went and like held the tigers and I was like okay that was cool like I'm sorry I'm gonna do cool things I know it's so random because most people their tiger holding is not on their bucket list but whatever it is that's on your bucket list what are those things and how can you start going and doing them right now either by yourself or with a girlfriend or with a group of friends or whatever and start having fun start living your best life and as you start to do that and so for me on that list was moving to California so I always wanted to move to California I lived in Colorado I kept talking about moving to California kept talking about it kept talking about it and finally I was like it's time to move to California. So I quit my job. I was working at a tech company two years out of college, quit my job, moved across the United States all by myself, didn't have a job, didn't have anyone there, met some roommates through like online and moved in as strangers and figured it out, you know? And, and that was something I always would say, I would like wanted to meet a guy in Colorado for whatever reason. And then we would move to California together. And that was something I kept waiting to move till I would meet him. And then finally I actually had like a quick relationship that was very like, passionate and awesome and thought he was the one kind of thing and it ended really quickly and abruptly mm. um and so in right california um no no, no sorry in colorado okay. yeah and, and right when that ended was when i was like i am no longer waiting on a guy to go do the things i want to do like i am so tired of waiting around on all of my dreams for a guy like that's so crazy that's so when you think about it it's just so pathetic and so sad and so that's when like i think that like relationship ending put a fire underneath my butt of like 
I am so, I just became sick of it. I became so sick of waiting around on a guy to live my life. That's so interesting. Like I've never heard of anything like that, but now that you're saying it, I'm sure other women feel this way. Yeah. Don't, right? Totally. Have you met women that feel oh, the yeah. same way? Yeah, totally. It's crazy. I know. And and honestly, what <laughs> sucks is that some of it is totally like, some of it is, you know, there's nature and nurture, right? Some of it is our nature. Like women are highly relational, but some of it is nurture. Like men are raised to chase money and success, which I'm not saying that's always good either, right. but that's what men are raised to do. And women are raised to chase men. So from a young age, like when you, when there's a little boy, you're like, what do you like to do? What do you want to do with your job? Things like that. When you meet a little girl, a lot of times she's being asked, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have any crushes? And so it's, and like all the movies we watch and the friggin' like Disney princesses and all this crap, like it, it plants in the woman's mind at such a young age that her identity is found in my, meeting a guy. Yeah, It's such BS. Like it pisses me off to no end. And so that's why it's like, yeah, some of it's because us women just act like really love relationships, but some of it is because our society is telling us that like that's our main goal in life. Yes. And I think that that's why like, you know, I love that there's shifts happening where women are like given permission to make money and women are given permission to chase their career and stuff. And again, it's not about, I really shouldn't be chasing, but it's like the permission to have a bigger purpose than simply marriage and children, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so get get into this. This is great. So get uh, get into the thing where you said when you loved yourself, because mm. let me tell you, and I preach that as well, for someone to, to be loved, <clears throat> you have to love yourself, yeah, right? How right. important is that? Right. Like you have to be comfortable with that person in the mirror, with who you are, because most of the people, and I'll say this, because again, a lot of women ask me advices, most of them are very insecure, mm-hmm. and this is why I, is exactly why I brought you in because I thought your your topic and your business and what you do is so relevant because most women and I'm not saying guys don't have this either but right. most women are they they think that their identity is through a man they think they need a man mm-hmm. because their confidence and they look they're not comfortable with who's in the mirror so get into how important it is to love your and like when your coaching goes into loving yourself mm. get, get into this a little bit yeah. So I think a lot of it comes down to thinking about what your self-talk is and how do you speak mm. to yourself because your words have insane power, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't realize the things that we're saying to ourselves because the sub there's, you know, our subconscious mind is, is 95% of why we do things that we do. So we aren't even really fully aware of why we do things we do a lot of times because it's all subconscious stuff. Yep. And so that's why a lot of the work that I do, like in Confident Life Academy, I have, um, you know, lessons and all the lessons have journaling afterwards because people get so used to listening to everyone else, but they're not sitting still and learning how to be with themselves. And that's how I used to be when I was insecure. Like the, I wanted to constantly fill every weekend, every night. Like you don't want to spend time doing nothing because the idea is doing nothing scares you because then you'd have to sit there with your thoughts more. And so, and that's also why, well, doing nothing a lot of times for people is like scrolling social media right. because that, like that's an, a form of numbing. And so if you're con, if you're like a person listening again, male or female, but you're con- you feel uncomfortable with the idea of like sitting alone in your house with no technology on for like one hour and just chilling. If that's I'm laughing because it's like so foreign. Yeah, it's for and and, our, and we're in such a go 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 world, and we're taught like it almost feels like you know healthy ways of over medicating. In fact, I was on a podcast uh, last week with uh, amazing woman Emily Hayden. Check out our podcast; she's fire. Um, and Emily was sharing how she's like she's in the fitness space, and she was saying how like sometimes she even uses fitness as a way to. 
um, you know, cover things up that she doesn't want to think about. So she'll go work out and do cold plunges and, you know, all these things that are awesome things. But like, when was the last time you sat with your thoughts? Mm. When was the last time you spent time reflecting, journaling, like peering into your soul, like thinking about who you actually are, who you were created as, what are your strengths? And so that's really what Confident Life Academy does is it creates the space to start asking yourself these deeper questions. Why am I hanging out with the friends that I'm hanging out with? I'm the sum of the five people I hang around. Who are those five people? What are the qualities that they have? And starting to just dig into like, why are you doing the things you're doing and starting to live a mega intentional life and knowing exactly why you do everything. Like, I just love helping people peel back the layers, look at the thought processes and the beliefs that are holding them captive and, and blocking them from having the life that they really want to live. And so that's why when I say confidence, I think a lot of people think like raw, raw confidence, like, yeah. you know, being extroverted. It's like, no, extroversion has nothing to do with confidence. Even when I was in my darkest place and didn't want to live anymore, I still was extroverted. And people still thought I was the life of the party. So you could be the life of the party. You can have a big smile on your face. You can look beautiful. You can have it all together on the outside. But that doesn't tell me what's happening on the inside. Mm. And I know that because I was that girl. Okay, so now that you brought that up, get, <laughs> get into that story. Yeah. Um, so, so basically, like kind of going back to what I shadow, foreshadowed to a few, a few minutes ago, when we moved from... Uh, New York to Colorado at 13. That was definitely really pivotal for me. And I had a really hard time with that move because I, I think, well, there was a lot of like limiting beliefs that were already planted. And then, you know, we have confirmation bias. So we look for ways to constantly confirm the beliefs that we have. And so some of my beliefs, because I was homeschooled and I didn't feel like I belonged with the homeschoolers, I went to public school. I didn't really feel like I was that much like the public schoolers. Um, I go to church. I didn't feel like I was like the nice church girls because, you know, big personality. And um, I felt like everywhere I went, I felt like I didn't belong. So I started to tell myself that as my story, like I don't belong. And when you start saying that to yourself, you start to look for ways to see that that's true. So like you're literally trying to not belong. So mm. I would go places and like instead of looking for all the ways we have similarities, I would look for all the ways that I'm different than them. I'd be like, oh, see, like they're prettier than me or they're smarter than me or they're this, you know. And um, and so I kept telling myself that I'm an outsider. Um, and, I, and I have this actually on the back of my book, like some of the I'm not enough. I don't deserve this. I'm not that smart. I'm not qualified. I'm, un I'm unworthy. And those are some of the, the narratives that were in my mind, I think already based on just my own thoughts. I don't, you know, I, I, it's not like you can't just like blame your parents for like your right. thought patterns. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I, I think like my parent, I t shared about my parents' marriage a bit. I don't even really feel like that necessarily. I, I don't see a necessarily a correlation of like me thinking these thoughts because my parents were constantly telling me how smart I was, but like you could, you could be a parent telling your kid how smart they are, but if they're like believing something otherwise, like, you know, your parents, unfortunately, when you're young, you're like, oh, my parents don't know anything, you know? And so you, you like, you pay more attention to like what you, the kids at school say, or you yes. pay more attention to what TV says or what your teacher <laughs> yeah. tells you, you know? And your parents are like, oh, well, pff, you're supposed to say that. Of course you think I'm smart and pretty and cool and stuff, you know? Um, so we moved to Colorado and I went back to public school. I was in eighth grade and it was kind of around that time where I started to think darker thoughts where I just was like, I don't want to be here. I was unhappy with the move um, and and just felt like I didn't belong anywhere I went. I think I just felt like, I, I think some of it was the big personality thing, like me being a big personality. Um, you know, some of it was like, 
and this is like a whole interesting conversation in and of itself, but it's like, I think in certain ways, like I've had more um, masculine energy a lot of my life. Yeah. And um, so when I would be with a lot of women, like I would feel like there was something like almost wrong with me or something like that because I didn't have as much maybe feminine energy as they had. Um, but then like, you know, you hang out with guys and you're like, okay, this is cool. But like, I also uh, became aware pretty young that like most guys liked me and wanted to do things with me. Um that weren't just friends. And so, um, so I think I started to be like, okay, like where do I fit in here? You know, where do I fit in? What does faith even mean? Cause I was raised in a Christian home. Yeah. Right. But I'm like, I don't know. Like I think I had a lot of lies around God, not being like a good God. God is mean or, or things like that. Um, so it, it's really hard to say exactly where these thoughts came from, but basically I started to think thoughts about how I like wanted to disappear. And I would think about like running away. And when I'd picture running away, I would be like, okay, well, where would I go to, you know, like pack my bags, you know, you see movies where people like run away from home. And I was like, I'll just run away from home. I think that's kind of where it first started. And then I started to think like, uh, playing with thoughts of like, well, what if I just disappeared in general? And I kind of would think about, um, I almost think of Tom Sawyer or whatever, and he like fakes his own death or whatever. And then he has a funeral and he watches the funeral. It was kind of like that where I started like, I was like, well, what if I like disappeared and people thought I had died? And I like would have like, you know, like the people you see like missing people on like a milk carton or something. I would be like, maybe I'll be like a missing person on a milk carton or something. I don't know. It was weird. Like I had just these thoughts of like disappearing and not being here. And then um, I started to picture my funeral on a regular basis. And I started to picture like how many people would come and it would be really packed. And I picture everyone crying and missing me. And, um, you know, it was kind of like an ego boost really because of my low self-worth. It made me feel like I was more loved. Like it was a way of me feeling like everyone actually really loves me. Um, which is sad because a lot of people really did love me, but because I believed, and that goes back to like the self-love thing is like, you can have love from everyone around you. Like my parents doting on me. I mean, kids at school did like me. I was pretty popular. Like I had plenty of love in my life, but because I didn't see it and because I didn't receive it. um, And same with really coming back to God, like God can give you all the love, you know, that he wants to give you. But if you don't receive love from him, receive love from yourself and learn how to receive the love from others, like you're never going to feel loved because Mm. you're telling yourself like, I'm not worth this and people don't actually like me. Like you're creating your own reality with your thoughts. And that's what I was doing. And so pictured the funeral over and over and over again and would always feel really good to picture that. And I think it was around that time where I started to like play around with with thoughts of self-harm. Started to picture like cutting myself and sometimes I would like, um, you know, think about doing it. Like I would take my fingernail sometimes and start to do it. Um, And... And then I would start to think about like, how would I kill myself, you know, and what would be the best way to go out? And would it, you know, we had, we had guns in our house. So I'd think, okay, could, I could use one of the guns that, or pills, you know, and I, I would play with those types of thoughts. And so I think that that's probably called like passively suicidal yeah. because I never like actually really took action on any of it. Um, and I think because I was a Christian, I would be like, um, well, God would be really mad at me if I did that. And like, is that a sin? And like, would I go to hell if I kill myself so i'd be like maybe i shouldn't kill myself but maybe i could die of a natural cause and yeah what's so crazy about these thoughts is like these are like the thoughts that you that i would ruminate on like late at night you know like it, it was so it wasn't even super conscience conscious because i journaled a lot during that time but i never journaled any of these thoughts out wow. yeah it was like literally just like floating around in the back of my mind um and i didn't think about it all day every day you know it was just like some days i would think about it some days i wouldn't but i started to believe that i was 
supposed to die um, from a natural cause. I believe I was supposed to die of a car accident. And so I thought that the car accident would probably happen sometime like in my mid 20s, like early to mid 20s. And um, yeah, I would just visualize the car accident all the time. And a lot of times when I would drive, I would visualize the car accident. I'd be like, is today the day? And I would visualize myself going off the road, turning over. Like I would visualize it all a lot. Yeah. Um, And so I I actually had thoughts like that from about, again, it's hard for me to know exactly when they started, but you know, 13, 14 or 15, somewhere kind of in those early teenage years. And then I believed that until I was 22. Wow. Yeah. So for eight years. Um, and so, you know, it really did, it, uh, blocked me from, from like living a life of purpose, obviously, because like, why would you ever take, why would you ever take action on your life? If you really just are like believing you're supposed to die. And so it's kind of like the constant angel and devil on the shoulders where like an angel would be like, you could do something big and meaningful. And like, you know, I'd start to have like a big dream and then I would immediately just be like, yeah, but you're going to die young. So what's the point? And so that was like my, my thought process for a long time. And, you know, I went to college and I went through the motions and I, I didn't tell too many people. And if I yeah. did tell people, they would like freak out. That was a, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Did you tell anybody this stuff? Yeah. I told like, I told that six year boyfriend and he, and, and like, you know, I have to give, um, I have to understand that like, it's a hard thing to hear. And if you don't know how to like deal, like, you know, my six, my boyfriend, who's like, 19 or whatever he's not a therapist so he was just like oh my gosh like don't think that thought like never think that thought that's horrible you know and i was like yeah yeah, cool cool cool. totally really bad shouldn't think about that but obviously like that doesn't like heal the mind um and then and then i told one of my best friends and i don't know if she would even remember this because we were like out drinking and i told her and she was like yeah um one of our really good friends growing up thought that he was gonna die young and then he did and so I was like, okay, yeah. So I like thought it was like my destiny. It was actually so crazy because like, and, and and like we're getting into like spiritual realm here, but it's like Satan loves nothing more than to wrap uh, these dark thoughts in like something that seems really beautiful. So I was like, I'm like a martyr. Like this is like God's calling for my life. Like I like felt like it was like this beautiful, like Romeo and Juliet type death situation. And that people would like come to their faith at my funeral because it would be so packed. And there'd be like a pat, like my dad would probably be a pastor of the funeral. I don't know. It was so wild and so many layers of like evilness like wrapped up in that. And, and the, the craziest part, JD, is that I, I actually share this story quite often. I share it every, almost every podcast that yeah. I get a chance yeah. to, um, because the more I share it, the more I get reached out to people that tell me that they've had the same thoughts their whole life. And it's wild to me how many people have reached out to me and said, wow. I've had that thought my whole life that I'm supposed to die young. Sometimes people think it's cancer. Sometimes they think it's something else. And they're like, but I've never told a single person. And so I know that there is like, this is a, a more common fear than we might think. And I think especially it attaches on to people who are called to really big things, because I think the bigger your calling, the bigger your purpose, then the more, you know, darkness wants to diminish you and make you um, like, not have that power right yeah and so so yeah if you're someone who's listening right now and you've had these type of thoughts just like one know that you're not alone you're not crazy um and two know that they are lies and of course like reach out um you you can feel free to reach out to me i'm not a therapist or anything like that so i also would recommend you to reach out and get um you know a therapist and get real like mental health help um but for me how it how i um, was able to break free from that lie is that I, oh, and the other thing I'll say is I've said that, shared this on podcasts before, and I've literally had podcast hosts start crying because they actually currently believe the lie 
And then they'll cut that part out of the podcast numerous, numerous times. Mm-hmm. This story. This story. Yep. Oh my so God. even people who are like crushing it, people who seem like they have it all together, yeah. like have some of these types of like crazy and, and we, we call them crazy thoughts like, oh, I'm so crazy. And so that's why no one tells anyone because right. like, I don't want to be a crazy person, you know, and so there's so much shame and so much like horrible stuff wrapped up into this conversation. And so it really makes me sad. And that's why like, I want to bring it to light and help people know they're not alone and they're not crazy. And I think releasing that like craziness or whatever and releasing that shame is like half of the healing in and of itself is being like, okay, wait, Janelle feels like that. Like, that's how I felt. I can't believe Janelle feels like that. Like, you know, or had felt like that. I should say past tense. Um, but, and then I've also had numerous heels say like, I used to know someone who thought they were going to die young and then they did. Hmm. And I think what's so crazy is I think that it, because our thoughts become self-fulfilling prophecies, yes. I do sometimes wonder if I were to have continued to believe that for much longer, you know, if you visualize a car accident every single day, and it's hard for me to think like, I believe in the power of visualization. I believe yes. in the power of the mind. Um, if you're constantly creating that reality for yourself, I don't know. It, it scares me to think about what might've actually happened right. to my life if I continued down that thought pattern. And so, yeah, I, I told a few people along the way, most people didn't know how to properly react. But the one couple that I told that were my mentors from church, I was 22, about to graduate college. Um, and it was the husband that his name was Kevin. He actually had the same lie. And he said, do you picture your funeral? Do you picture all that? Like, and I was like, yes, 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 exactly. And he's like, I used to have that too. And that is a lie from Satan to keep you small and have you never planned your life and so that you never step into the God-given purpose that you have and you have a big impact set on your life. And so like you're actually dangerous to darkness. Yes, yeah, like, you know, yeah. and again, I know not, not everyone here probably that's listening, I get you might not believe in all this stuff. It's totally cool. Like respect whatever faith or whatever you believe in. And, um, you know, I talk about this in my book too. I kind of share the, the intricacies of this story. Um, and... And not everyone, I know not everyone also, I hope almost no one, I hope no one listening is struggling with any of these types of thoughts, of course. Um, but I think that like the human condition, a lot of people are are playing their lives the way that I was playing my life where they're just spinning their wheels waiting till death. Yeah. So whether you're yes. having the lie like intensely the way I, I did, where you're yeah. meant, you think you're meant to die young, um, or if you simply, you know, you're just, oh, I don't really matter that much. Well, like, you know, like, whatever and just kind of like living a laissez-faire life where you're like mm. never giving yourself permission to step into a purpose both are equally as dangerous because both are hamster wheels where you're just waiting till death comes because you're not believing that your life actually matters so um so anyway i tell this couple the husband is like oh my gosh this 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 is this he says all that and all of a sudden kind of like for whatever weird reason like when he said it it just felt like i was like wait you're right like i am called to something really meaningful and like I am called to something big and I actually can help people and like of course like saying we want nothing more than for me to be dead you know because I'm lethal like and so all of a sudden it was like whoa like and that's why it made sense like the whole angel devil conversation all the time on my shoulders of like you could do something awesome no you can't I could do something awesome no you can't and like that constant voice telling me no you can't no you can't no you can't no you can't and um so yeah they they prayed over me that night and um Again, I know some people listening are probably like maybe really triggered by me saying all this and maybe you don't believe in any of this and that's okay. Like I think we all can understand, you know, good guy, bad guy, light, dark, that kind of stuff. And so whether you believe in God and Satan or not, you can probably understand like the light and dark piece of just like light, um, you know, sun and dark being, you know, the thoughts that are drowning you. But um, they prayed over me 
And it was a prayer that I was like, unlike any prayer that I've ever experienced. And I now know that to be called deliverance prayer. Mm. And they prayed the spirit of death off of me. And I had never heard of anything like it. And I honestly, like, even as it was happening, like, I was like crying a bunch, but I was like, this is freaking weird. Because like, I went to a church where like, we didn't talk about that kind of stuff, yes. you know? And so like, um, I was like, what do you mean? Like death, like breaking spirits of death off me? Like, I was like, this is freaking weird. So I will say after that night, everything changed for me. And for the longest time, I gave credit to the fact that it was like a really powerful conversation, which I think is part of it. Yes. Like, I think, um, you know, there's power in even like sharing this stuff out loud and that things can break off of people just oh, yeah. from having this conversation. Um, and I think that there's more power in prayer than I was willing to admit for a long time because I would never really bring up the prayer part, especially on like podcasts like these. Yes. Um, and as time has gone on, I just started to like really be like, dang, I think I'm like, actually doing my transformation a disservice if I don't mention that it wasn't just having someone who had been where I'd been. I think that's amazing. It's so awesome to like have someone who's like, I used to believe that and it's a lie. And then you're like, oh, okay, wow, like I'm not alone. You know, it, it's really wonderful to be able to hear that. Right. And I think I used to think that was where the power lied was the like, we both had a similar experience kind of thing. But now I'm starting to realize as time has gone on, I'm like, that was like such a powerful night. What made that so powerful? And our church talks a lot about deliverance. Yeah. Um, and so, I, and I've never heard a church talk about deliverance. Um, and in my book, I actually have linked a, a, a sermon by Pastor Becky on deliverance mm. that she did January 1st of last year, 2022. So you guys can you guys can look up, if you look up the first sermon of Pastor Becky's in 2022, like January I don't know, second or third or something like that. Yep. You can find that deliverance, like a whole sermon on deliverance. If you're like listening to this and you're really like resonating with a lot of stuff I'm saying, I would really encourage you to to check that out. Um, so yeah, like everything really, like things started to change quite quickly. I wouldn't say like literally overnight everything changed because once you've kind of gone down a certain path, it sometimes takes a little bit of time of rebuilding. But I will say that within a couple of weeks, I broke up with my six-year boyfriend because I knew he wasn't my person. And I'd always say to myself like, he'll just find out when I die, you know, so I don't really need to do the breakup. Like it was my way, it was a cop out. So yeah. I'd never had to take action on my life. And so within two years, that's when I, um, you know, broke up with him, quit my job at the tech company, moved to California, started my own business. Like, well, I guess actually the business was on the third year. So within three years, my life fully transformed and flipped upside down. And um, I really think that's because I drastically changed my thought patterns and what I believe to be true for my life. And, and that's the power of prayer. And so the power of prayer, ladies and gentlemen, I absolutely did not think that was a thing until I got to awaken church. And now I'm a praying maniac. <laughs> I am. Um, um, I, and I, it's like, and anytime like David Ewing, he'll send me a voice memo with a, with a word for me. I'm telling you right now, my life is so much better, mm. um, because I wholeheartedly received this and, uh, this is great stuff, Janelle. I'm so glad that you, we got around to this story right here because like you said, um, unfortunately a lot of people have these thoughts, mm -hmm. right? So talk to me about this further with the purpose thing, because whether, whoever they believe in or whatever they believe in, we, everybody knows that we're, they have to believe in purpose, like why right. we're here. And you said it right there on your, when you were talking about it, how, you know, people, even though they're not having those actual thoughts of them dying their funeral, mm -hmm. they're just spinning their wheels their entire life until they die. And I talk about that a lot. 
like literally doing everything that they were supposed to do. I need to go to school. I need to get a job. I need to pay my taxes, get married, have the kids, and then die. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I know. And not really actually make a mark. Other than with your family, of course, having children is a major thing. Mm -hmm. to, but not actually stepping into the calling of why you were put here. So talk to go further with that, like how important, like the confidence in what your business is all about, like building confidence in, let's say, the women um, about having a purpose, knowing that they're not just here to be silent, to be quiet. So go further on that. I love this. Yeah. I love the purpose thing here. Yeah. And again, it's men and women. And I always say, like, a lot of times when I talk about the work that I do. You know, they tell you when you start a business to niche down, yeah. you know, and all this kind of stuff. So it's like you're kind of like trained to, to choose a niche. But I will say I have a lot of men reach out to me and be like, wow, your work's really like changing my life, too. So I, I think it's, you know, I always want to make sure that men feel included in the yeah, conversation because, because totally it's like right. dark thoughts. Purpose and, is purpose. And, yeah, purpose is purpose. Yeah. Dark thoughts or ruminating thoughts, um, intrusive thoughts, like having these thoughts where you're like beating yourself up. Like that very much applies to to men, too. And Absolutely. Um, you know, I just never want to exclude men. Like, cause I think that, you know, kind of like the about toxic masculinity is like basically telling men like that they, they wouldn't have those type of thoughts or that they like, and I'm not saying you're saying that yeah, I'm just trying to make right. sure I'm being really intentional Absolutely. that the men listening are like, especially because there might be men listening who have this, a similar story to me with like really dark thoughts or something. And I just don't want you to think like, Oh, okay. Well, women are meant to go get help for that kind of thing, but men aren't. And I, I know the the world is definitely changing, where it's becoming more normal for yeah. men to go to therapy or men to be talking about their emotions and feelings. I just really want to like continue to instill that, and that that's like such an attractive thing. That was actually one of the things on my list was that I would attract an emotionally in tune, like a high EQ kind of guy, because EQ I think is like everything, and knowing your emotions and knowing your thoughts. And um, so yeah, to go, I guess to go further into that, I think there's healing available for every single person when it comes to your thought patterns. And that's why I call it a confidence muscle is just like the gym that it's a continual like it takes time. Yes. It takes energy. Um, sometimes I think mind shift, mind shift patterns or mind shifts can happen like instantaneously, like boom, they can just happen Im immediately. Sometimes that happens. Yep. Um, but other times it's a journey and it's, it's like that slow, steady, like really getting to know yourself more. And so one thing I often like to share on podcasts is if you're the kind of person who maybe you listen to a lot of podcasts, maybe you go to a lot of personal development conferences and you're all about like Tony Robbins and all this stuff, which I am too, but you got to think about how often are you letting yourself, it kind of goes back to like being with yourself and being with your thoughts, because I think the best way to start retraining your thoughts is to be with your thoughts. So you can't just sit here and listen to me and listen to JD and keep listening. And then this podcast ends and then you listen to the next podcast. Then you listen like, yes, these things are good. And I do believe in putting these things in your mind because obviously the daily renewing of your mind, you do want to listen to podcasts and music. And, and, you know, of course I believe in going to church. Like you want to be doing these things. Um, and I do think that there's people who are like personal development junkies. And it's interesting because I'll sometimes watch like they, they seem to know so much more than I do when it comes to all personal right. development things. But I look at their life mm. and I look at the fruit in their life and I'm like, you don't really seem like, so I don't want to be like you. That's for sure. Like, I don't like, I don't, I don't see you as a successful person. No offense, but like love for you, but yep. just don't not be a, like not you. great relationships. Yeah. Not great relationships might not be successful in their career. Um, you know, maybe they talk about a lot of things that they never do any of the things they talk about. 
Um, and so I just sometimes have to like ask you like, are you spending too much time? Cause I was actually like that for a little while. I think I was like, just, I couldn't even be in silence cause I just needed podcasts and I needed, um, music and I needed like things to just constantly be taking up the space of my brain. Um, but I just think that the way to really heal this is to spend more time with yourself. And again, I, I talk about journaling a lot, but I think the reason why journaling is so powerful, I often think about journaling like the gym. And I put, at the end of every chapter of my book, I have journaling prompts. And you know, I always like to ask you like, so did you do the journaling prompts? Because a lot of times in books, we don't actually do the journaling prompts. Right. You just like go to the next chapter, which is fine. Maybe you want to read it through once and then go back through and do them. Um, and maybe not every journaling prompt is for you. Like maybe there's certain stuff that's going to be like, ah, oh, you know, I've already worked through that. Or I don't, that doesn't really hit home for me. Then don't do that journaling prompt. But like, I've had so many clients that tell me like, oh, I'm not really a journaler. And then they start, we start working together and then they're like, whoa, okay. I wasn't doing journaling right before. I don't even know what journaling was before, but now I like love journaling because I love being with my thoughts. Being journaling is being with your thoughts. Mm. So if you don't love journaling, it means you usually just don't love being with your thoughts. Very good point. And so and what's so cool about journaling, again, like I I really feel like journaling is one of the most healing things you can do. And I know a lot of people are like, well, what do I journal about? And that's why I'm saying like, get my book, get the prompts, or you can even go on Pinterest and type in, you know, journaling prompts. Like a lot of times when you, especially when you're first getting started, you might just need some prompts of like what to start writing down. And that's totally cool. Um, and um, okay, I think I have two different thoughts that I'm trying to finish. One, it's like the gym where sometimes you don't feel like doing yep. it. Sometimes I'm like, I should journal. And I can tell when I need to journal if I've been feeling kind of anxious and I've been feeling kind of like low level irritation in life, or I've been feeling a little like antsy or like on edge, like a little bit of that on edgeness in your life. Like if you're kind of feeling that low level on edgeness, it's like a, 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 a warning sign, like a, a yellow flag of like, you gotta, you gotta slow down. You gotta be with yourself. You gotta, you know, get back to like, because we live in such a hustle and grind world, such a mentality of go, go, go. Like this is like a yellow flag, but you might not want to. Like just like the gym, sometimes you don't want to go to the gym and you're like, oh, it's like the literal last thing I want to do. But you always feel good after you do right. it. That's how journaling is. Like you might not feel like doing it, but I guarantee you set a timer on your phone for 30 minutes. This is what I do a lot of times. Set a timer for 30 minutes. I'm not allowed to look at my phone or any technology for 30 minutes. And I'm just going to start writing on this piece of paper and start writing some of my feelings. How have I been feeling lately? Kind of a check in with myself. Like yeah, give little, me some examples. Like, are the give, give some examples. Like, what do you? How hmm. you're feeling? How you're? <clears throat> yeah, like I think like a lot of times I'll write down like my fears, my limiting beliefs. You know, I actually have a free workbook um, that we can link in the show notes, yeah. but it's it's a confidence workbook and it's all about, it guides you through your limiting beliefs. And so I think for me, I'm always thinking about what are my thoughts that are holding me back. So a lot of times I'll sit down and I'll be like, um, even on the airplane uh, a couple days ago, I was flying back from Vegas and I was like thinking about some of my limiting beliefs that I'm wrestling with right now. Because just because, you know, like you get to this new new place in life where a lot of the old things no longer, you know, are impacting you, but then new things come up, you know? And so I was like, what are some of the limiting beliefs I'm wrestling with right now? And so I, I wrote out one like limiting belief, number one, like one that I'm working to overcome right now is like entrepreneurship is hard. Hmm. I guess I get so sick of hearing myself talk about how hard things are. And I guess it kind of goes back to the marriage thing, but I overcame that one. And now I have this amazing marriage that I really love. And I don't think marriage is that hard. It's actually just so much fun. Um, and so I was like, why? It's like, and so I dig into that. Like, and one way that you could do it is like five, I've heard this called like five whys. So then you could write out your limiting belief and be like, okay, well, why do, why do I think that? And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm using that as a way to like feed my ego to be like, oh, woe is me. Like, 
I, I work so hard on my business, you know, and like, so it's so hard. And like, maybe I like, you know, like to look at corporate people sometimes like, oh, you have no idea how easy your life is, you know, and like use it as a way to like make myself feel better about myself or something. I'm like, that's so stupid. Like, I'm like, <laughs> entrepreneurship's amazing. Why am I yeah. like repeating? And I know it's amazing. But again, you have to, it's, you start to become aware of your sub, like you start to really pay attention to split second thoughts that pop in your mind. And you're like, whoa, 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 what did I just think there? Ooh, that was interesting that I just had that thought. Huh, okay, let's write that one down. Because then when you write it down, you're facing it head on instead of like, if it's just floating around in your mind, it's like non-tangible. And then when you write it down, it really does lose some of its power. And I've had so many clients, I mean, hundreds, I do this for every time I speak. So I've actually had thousands upon thousands of people do this, the workbook that I'm offering here for free. But um, you start to just become so aware of your thoughts mm. and it's a really beautiful thing because once you're aware, that's the first step, right? That's how you're going to be able to actually change the thought. And remember, when you change your thoughts, you change your actions, and then you change your results. So you'll start to get a new result. So it really does start with sitting with yourself and being like, what are the thoughts I've been having lately? What are the limiting beliefs? What are the mean things I've been saying to myself? What are the, um, yeah, the fears that have been popping up? Like we all have them, you know? You know what? This is like, uh, like I'm, I love this topic so much. I really do. Because as you're talking, I'm just thinking about myself and my life. Like I, I don't have like one second where I'm by myself with my own thoughts. I don't, I'm always doing something from the time the bell rings in the morning till I go to bed at night. Mm -hmm. That's nonstop. And I always think about other than, uh, so even now I, I do a sauna. I'm, I'm in my sauna every, we have a sauna in our house. So I do one every night. Yeah, that's my opportunity. But mm. now I'm doing conference calls now because I'm, I'm my accountability guys with Pathfinders. Mm. My only time I can call them yeah. is my sauna time, right? So I need to work on this. Yeah, right. Yeah, why? Like journal, why, do you, why do you think it would be for powerful me, for you personally? I just think, um, I just think that uh, everything you're saying, I believe in, like growing and, and realizing I still have limited beliefs. Right. Yeah. But I think I'm just kind of shoving them to the side and moving forward through the grind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but it's like, but I think about it, like, like writing in a journal for me, I cringe when I hear that. <laughs> Seriously. Perfect. You're like, I clients. cringe. If, can I talk into it? Is that the same thing as journaling? I actually have to write it. I have to write it. I think, right. I, <laughs> That's what a just, journal is, JD. Yeah. And I think again, pen and paper, like I, I'm also, I don't know. I'm a little bit of like a hippie, I guess, but I just think about like history and that like for thousands of years, we've been like using our, our hands and like, even, you know, I, I, Again, I'm no, I'm no history buff or anything like that, but I'm like, even like in caves, you know, they were, yeah. dr they were drawing things like with their hands and rock, rock on rock, or I don't even know, fire, maybe a stick that you put in the fire and then you, I don't even know, yeah. but, and then, then it was like the quill and, you know, and, and so I just think there's something like therapeutic that even like our phones can't fully do for us because of our, with our thumbs like moving like that and then being distracted. Cause you know, maybe you start writing out on your phone, but then you get a notification pop up and you're like, Oh cool. Like someone's yeah. texting me go. and then off you go. Yeah. And so I just like, I love getting back to kind of like the olden days and just being like, you know, I am all about the tech. Obviously I have like a huge, you know, big social media following. I'm on TikTok, all these things. So I love social media. I love the phone. I'm not like, I'm not like, I don't have like a flip phone and I'm like, Oh, I'm against having phones. Um, but I'm just like, gosh, we weren't really made to be on our phones as much as we were. And you just we look at history. You look mm -hmm. at 
cavemen, cave women, you look at the 1800s, whatever, like, I don't even know what time period you want to go to. But like, we really weren't made to just be on technology and to be constantly having these hits of dopamine that are coming from our phones and from external things. And so it's like, what can you, how can you find that internally? Like, yeah. how can you give yourself that like hit of dopamine? How can you give yourself that validation? How can you give yourself that time? And like, it's a, it's really a gift to give it to yourself. Just like you would spend quality time with a loved one, spend some quality time with yourself. It's so profound. It really is. I'm totally buying all of this because I know how important it is. It's just so hard to, and there's a limiting belief. It's so hard to do. Yeah. And listen, you're, you're talking to old school here. You saw my desk. Did you notice I have a desk calendar on my desk? I did. <laughs> I looked at that. I was like, huh. But I was like, that's cool. I like it. I'm so, and I great. still get a day planner that I write in. Cool. See, See I'm there. There you go. I'm there. You like pen and paper, yeah, actually. What am I talking about? It's not going to be, be hard be for journaling you. journaling tonight, baby. Exactly. And you know what? I think also maybe 30 minutes sounds daunting. Maybe start with five or start with 10. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's kind of like the gym. Sometimes if you think you have to go for like 60 to 90 minutes, yeah. you can trick yourself into being like, cool 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 i'll just go for 20 minutes and like maybe you will just go for 20 and that's cool because at least 20 minutes is better than zero minutes right. at the gym right and that's perfectly like sometimes that's your schedule so you have 20 minutes to move your body yeah um and that's better than nothing exactly. and the same goes for journaling like you know maybe you can trick and but oh what i was gonna say is sometimes you go for you say i'm just gonna go for 20 minutes because i don't want to go and then you get there and you get in flow and you're like yeah. let's go and you're yep. just like really loving it and then you're there for like an hour and a half and you leave and you're like high on life you're like that was friggin' sick and so journaling's like in a weird way very similar like sometimes i don't want to and i'm like okay just do one page you know and sometimes i just do the one page and i'm like cool that's all and then i'm done but sometimes i get one page and i'm like oh okay there's stuff coming out here and then like wow. all of a sudden you're like next page next page your hands cramping you're like whoa like there is stuff that's like hidden inside of me you I'm know get, i'm getting your i'm gonna get your with the workbook right yeah i'm gonna get this workbook i'm gonna work on this yeah i, I need to work on this let's go i really do Proud i need to work on this um all right so um something you said earlier i want to get on real quick you had, you had said you started therapy in your early 20s. Mm -hmm. Did you say that? Yeah. Right, you did? Yep. Um, talk to me about that. How did you get into therapy? Who, who referred you? Did you decide to do it on your own? How did that help you? Talk to me about therapy on, on how that worked. Yeah, I, let's see, I'm trying to remember. I think I was 22. It was actually, yeah, I think it was like pretty soon after actually that guy who I dated very quickly that kind of broke my heart. It was funny. It's like my only heartbreak because to be honest, I was always doing the heartbreaking. But hey. hey. Um, but anyway, that guy broke my heart. Thanks a lot. And I went to therapy because I was like really upset about that. And then now what we did. How did you decide to go to therapy? And how did you find a therapist at age 22? Yeah. So I, I don't remember. Did you have a friend that did it? Like, Well, my mom was a therapist at that time. So, okay. and I lived like 30 or 45 minutes from her. So I might have just texted her and said like, hey, do you know any of any therapists in, you know, in Fort Collins? And I think that's how I found her. And then I, I actually only saw her probably like, that's why it's like kind of funny because I, I, I don't really think of myself as like, oh, I went to therapy for like yeah. a long-term thing. I think I only did like four to six sessions or something like that. So it wasn't like this huge thing. But what's interesting, and I think what's so wild is that I remember asking her, I was like, other than therapy, what else can I be doing? I remember she said, journal. Journaling. Yeah, that's my therapy. And I remember being wow. like, okay. And I remember I would just go home and journal. And so I think I started to like, um, 
and I know therapists have a lot to offer, so I'm, I'm not trying to diminish therapists or even coaches. Obviously, I'm a coach. Um, so it kind of depends on your style too, right? Like, um, But I remember I went with her and I think she would give me maybe some journaling homework or something. And then after going four or six times, I remember just being like, okay, cool and feeling good. And then from there on out, I just like started, you know, journaling more about the kind of like when any, whenever things would come up. Um, and then I actually did find a therapist out here in San Diego at one point. Uh, and she would like she was kind of like a one-off session person and I met her through my church I had a friend at my um, church that I went to before Awaken I had a friend who went to her and highly recommended her and I went for one session it was like a two-hour session it was our our three hours like it's like really long where you like she has like don't put anything on either end like we're just going to be going really deep um and she was it was really interesting it was a very specific kind of therapy that was like a spiritual therapy um and tied to like the holy spirit mm. and so she would actually ask you certain questions and like press down on your arm so you're holding your arm out for those who can't see me right now and then like she would like press on my she would ask a question and then she would like press on the arm and like I don't even fully understand how this works. And I don't even remember what this type of therapy is called, but I remember being very interesting. Part of me was like, I don't know if this is real, but I got some really good stuff out of it. So I was like, maybe this is real. Um, But she basically would be like, did it happen between the age of, you know, one and five? Did it happen? And like, she would ask, and like, if you're on one week, she's like, okay, cool. So we're going to focus on between 11 and 14. And then she like, so then she would dive into those and then to that time period. And then she'd ask more questions and like she would press on your arm. And like, I think it's kind of like along the lines of like, if your subconscious mind is like mm. lying, then your arm gets a little bit weaker. So she would be able to press it down more. But if your like subconscious mind was like telling the truth, then your arm was like stronger. I don't know. It was really interesting. So I, wow. and I can't really speak much to it because I just, but I remember like really powerful session and actually was dating someone that I was walking away like I wanted to walk away from that relationship and it was like the next it was actually that night I went and broke up with him after that session so I think sometimes I use like therapy and stuff like that to like well I think it's a blessing because I think I used it to like you know either get over guys or to break up with guys and things like that but a lot of times I ended up learning about my childhood and like my parents marriage and the things that I'm you know doing and and so um so yeah I think that's I, I would say like if someone's looking I do know um Let's see. I, ha- I have a resource in my book that is like a way to find a therapist in your area. And there's so many different, like you want to find someone who's like a specialist in what you're yeah. going for, yeah. I would say. Um, and so look for a specialist and you know, you, you can, I, I think it's kind of like dating a little bit. Like you could go try a person out and if you like, if you like gelled well with them, like keep going. But if you like didn't love that session, I wouldn't say like, don't just write off therapy if you didn't like that one therapy session. Um, go go try someone else. And I think you also, like for me, I have to be really, I, I, I don't like to use the word have to. I get to be very careful with the type of therapist that I um, hire uh, when I do hire therapists because I look for growth-minded therapists. And there are times where I've worked with my clients with in a coaching capacity and they'll have more breakthrough in our three months of working together than they've had in 10 years with their therapist. Wow. And to have that happen numerous times with different clients has had me start to think that sometimes there are therapists out there, not all, because there's a lot of amazing therapists, but there are some that don't have a growth mindset. And if for 10 years you're just repeating your past and you're not really getting anywhere, you've got to wonder why is there no growth happening after 10 years of therapy with the same therapist? Like, I think that you shouldn't have to rely on a therapist long-term. I don't think you should rely on a coach long-term. You know, I think it's like you should go learn tools, get good stuff out of it and different time periods for everyone. For some people it might be a few sessions for some people might be a few years, but like 
you shouldn't be thinking of your therapist or your coach as like your lifeline, you know, or like the person you have to have. Because again, that's taking the confidence away from you and your internal knowing, like you've got stuff inside of you, like, you know, a lot of the answers to your stuff. So stop looking to, again, this kind of goes back to like, how much are you looking for external validation for the things that you already know inside of you? Are you looking to your therapist to tell you things? Are you looking for your podcast to tell you things like you actually know stuff inside of you, you have like that gut feeling, you know, and like, we know that that's, that's God, right? There's like, there's something bigger that is telling you certain things and you can't always go to a therapist or a friend or a podcast to look for advice, like sit with yourself and figure like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever go get advice. There's that, there's that balance. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, there's a both and again. Um, so you should get some advice and discernment from people that you, um, look up to and that, you know, are, um, you know, that, you know, that you trust deeply, but I would just say, look to how often you're looking for everyone else to tell you to do things versus like giving yourself permission if because sometimes you actually do know but you're pretending not to know and that's the whole topic in my book is like what are you pretending not to know because so often people are pretending that they don't know things you know like me with the six-year boyfriend kind of stuff like yeah. i knew for a lot of those years i have so many journal entries of should i break up with them should i not should i break up with them should i not you know i kind of knew and then like same with like career stuff it's like you know i did hospitality management as my career as my major and I think like if I sat down for even just a little bit, I, I would know like, I don't want to be in the hospitality industry for forever. Yeah. No offense if anyone is, but right. I'm like, I, we have knowing inside of us, but we just ignore it and we just numb with, you know, healthy numbing agents like social media and staying busy and working hard. So we don't actually ever like get to the root of our answers. And, and it's, it's, it's really kind of, when you really think about this, it's concerning and scary where we're at with technology. Because we're all just literally, and we, you know, most people are just with their heads in their phones 24-7 and, and just completely distracting from where they should be, you know, who they are, why they're here, right? Right. It's concerning. Yeah. But let's, we're not going to go deep into this because I could go on this. The, the system that we're in, the government, they want us where we're mm, at right now. Yeah. They don't want innovators. Yeah. They don't want the people coming out and, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I agree. And also, like, I think that we get to just take personal ownership. So it's like, yeah, we can blame the government. And that is like, gonna be a play at it. But like, yep. look at yourself, yes. you know, and, yeah. and that's why I talk about my book, like, stop pointing the finger at your parents. You don't like, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to take away from what you're saying. I'm just saying if anyone no, no. sitting here is like, oh, the government or oh, my parents. Or, all oh. I'm saying is they want us there. They want us there. That's exactly. all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not blaming them. Right. We are being programmed. We are being, but that's, oh, on, a thousand but, percent. But that's on us. But that's on us. That is we on do have a us. choice. So go with that. And we're going to land the plane on this note because <laughs> I want you to fire away on this. Like what you were just saying about this topic of, you can't, listen, can't blame the government. You cannot. Mm -hmm. So go into it because on it's on us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I think for a long time, if I'm being honest, I was a victim to my circumstances mm -hmm. and no one likes to say that they're a victim. Like, um, one of my friends recently was telling me like, I listened to a podcast and like, it says you should never tell someone they're a victim. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably true. You know, it's like a therapist saying that. And like, no one ever wants to be told that they're a victim, but again, you got to check in with yourself and think about how are you actually thinking? And so are you blaming other people or outside? Like, he here's a great example. There was a gal that I went to um, 
middle school with who is very, very successful. Um, she's like a year younger than me and she's a multi multimillionaire. Um, she came from a very wealthy family, but she didn't use any of their wealth to create her business. Um, she did it all by herself. And her and I actually started our businesses around the same time, five mm. years ago. And I see how much, you know, that she has so much more than I do. And it can be really easy to feel like jealousy towards that and be like, well, it's because she came from a rich family or like she like, like she came from a family that had a bunch of money. So she must have like, you know, used their money or like, or even like thinking about thought patterns. I'm like, well, she was raised in a family that was like teaching the thought patterns of entrepreneurship and how to like build like a huge multi-million dollar business. So it can be easy for me in a, in a moment of like weakness to feel jealousy towards her. And to be like, gosh, like she just has it like so easy or something like that. And I think we, a lot of times as humans, we do that. We see someone who's more successful than us and we assume that maybe something was like given to them that wasn't given to us. And maybe that's true because we all are dealt different hands and we're dealt different thought patterns from our parents and from our upbringing around money, around relationships, around health, you know, like someone who, who's over, you know, very overweight and has a hard time, like. Uh, believing that weight loss is possible for them. It's, it's not genetics. It's, it's a thought process. It's, yep. it's a, it's a thing that your parents and maybe your grandparents, I mean, it could be a very generational thing. Like these are the, the thoughts that they think and therefore the habits that they create based on those thoughts. And then that's the result is, you know, the, the, um, for a while there, maybe the inability to lose weight, right. until you change your thought patterns. And so I just think it can be really easy to look at other people and be like, oh, they have it so easy, you know, like they, they had all the right circumstances and maybe they did, maybe they didn't, you don't really know. Yep. But if you're just constantly pointing the finger at other people and you're like, I could never have that because I wasn't given those same, you know, dealt the same hand, that's a limiting belief. And that's you being a victim because anything is a possible, anything's possible, right? Like there are so many people who have come from poverty or have come from, horrible abusive relationships or alcoholic parents or whatever, you know, you name, and they're wildly successful now and they've broken free from the patterns. They've broken free from the alcoholism and the being in abusive relationships and they've found freedom and they've found a way to live that they're really proud of and they changed. So it's possible. And so one of the, the mantras that I con on, I constantly tell other people and I tell myself when I have moments where I see someone I'm like, dang, like, yeah, what do I want, you know? And I just remind myself, if she can do it, so can I. If he can do it, so can I. If someone else has something that you want, it's possible for you too. It's, there's something in, in you that gets to change, right? Kind of going back to that becoming. Who, who, are you, who do you need to become in order to attract that new result into your life? Be that the weight loss, the money, the relationship. Um, what thought patterns are holding you back? What limiting beliefs? Um, how are you creating this as your reality? Um, but if it's possible for someone else, it's possible for you. You know, and it, so there's no need to be a victim. Yeah, it's it's very simple. And, and let me tell you, so many people pull the victim card and a lot of them don't even know it. Oh, exactly. <clears throat> they don't even realize That's it. why no one wants to be called a victim because they don't know that they're being a victim. And when you told them, that's like, that's the wrong thing to say. Yeah, they're they don't like, even no, realize it. It's it's uh, it's it's kind of sad. But again, it's uh, a part of programming. But you can break the if, like you just said, 
and we'll wrap it up with that. If if somebody else has had your circumstances, because a lot of people will blame their circumstances. Oh, my parents were whatever. They were abusive. They were this. They were. And this is the terrible stuff. Believe me, I'm no yeah, judging. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been there. Right. But at the end of the day, here's the bottom line. If somebody that has had your circumstances when they grew up of how they were with their parents or whatever or whatever they've gone through and they have become massively successful and lived out their purpose or living a fulfilled life, then as you said, guess what? It can be done. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It can be done. All right. So Janelle, hit us with the book one more time. Hit us with the coaching. Hit us with the website. Tell, where, tell everybody where they can find you, get them everything, and we'll, and we'll, and we'll shut it down. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my book is called Flex Your Confidence Muscle. And can be found. On Amazon. Nice. Um, or Barnes & Noble, or really anywhere, Target, whatever, all those online. Um, you can buy it on Kindle, or you can buy you know the hard or the, or the paperback. It's not on Audible yet, but that's going to happen this year. Nice. Um, so excited for it to be on Audible. But yeah, right now, just get to actually read with your own eyeballs. And then you you can go to my website, nextlevelconfident.com. And like I said, I speak for companies. So if anyone listening works at a company and you have, um, you know, like I like to speak for like sales kickoffs and do a lot of this mindset work with people in sales, especially because uh, it's cool to watch like my clients income double when I work with them, which is like real, real story of one of my clients. And so people, you know, once you change your mind, you really can create new results. So anyway, if you have, uh, if you work at a company that brings in speakers, I'd love to come in and speak and you can, you know, reach out to me on my website, Next Level Confident. And then, yeah, if you're interested in really like diving in, I would say do Confident Life Academy. That's my my new course that just launched actually three weeks ago. So wow. it's brand new. Nice. Started at the beginning of 2023. And um, it's powerful. It's like everything that I've been doing for the last five years and coaching people on. And I actually sat down with my clients who have had the very best results. And I said, okay, here's the entire framework. Like, what am I missing? Like, what do I need to add in? And like, is this everything that we really covered in our one-on-one -on -one mm. coaching? Cause I wanted to make the one-on-one -on -one coaching more accessible for more people to be able to have that result and to have those breakthroughs. Um, and you get a community along with it, which is amazing. Cause obviously it's not just about like doing the course all by yourself, but it's about like the people that you get to, um, get to know in our community as well. So yeah, that's confident life Academy. And, and then if you're just like, I want to follow her on Instagram or TikTok. It's at Janelle Lene. And um, yeah, I'm all about the TikTok and Instagram life. Yes. So slide in my DMs. Let yeah. me know if you like listen to this and if it helps you. I always love hearing from people. Yes. And I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. You do too, yeah. JD. It's just like totally. so fun to hear. Um, to hear from you all. And uh, thank you, JD, for having me. You have an amazing podcast here and like you're just such a natural at this. So thank you for honoring me and bringing me in here. And then, you know, thank you for all the listeners. Thank you for spending time listening to this. It's like your time is precious. Your time is valuable. So we don't take that lightly. So thank you for investing in yourself and investing in this time. And um, again, spend some time with yourself as well. I love it. So, and, and listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and, and you know, I confidence, remember you said for sales, what's mm -hmm. the number one thing in sales? It's confidence. Yep. And what's the number one thing in life? Confidence. I know, right? How, how are you going to track that perfect mate? Confidence. confidence. Hey, I know. It's we're on literally to they answered here. everything. Janelle Lene, ladies and gentlemen. The confidence coach. <laughs> That's it. Janelle Lene, if you want more confidence in life, this is who you need to talk to. Uh, Janelle Lene, uh, Real Deal Talk. That's a wrap. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, let's go. Uh, yeah.